You're listening to The Virus. The Ron and Fez Show starts... Now.
Let's get down to it, Bopper. Damn right, we're going to get down to it. Ah, oh, buddies, it's the Ron and Fez Show. Pick up your phones and call. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It's a Friday. A funk Friday. Now, you could say to yourself, Sylvester, isn't that disco and not funk? I believe that there's a corner where disco and funk meet. I believe that. Not far from where R&B and funk meet. It's corner of Sylvester and Mighty Real. Castro Street, my friend. Now you're talking Castro Street. But we open with that uh, because today it's Unmasked with Sandra Bernhard. And we know she loves the Castro and we, and we know she loves Sylvester. So uh, we want to start this off. I'm going to take it so far to say themes uh, show. But uh, Sandra Bernhard uh, coming up a little later on, around uh, 1.30, 1.45, will be the first of the Unmasked, and then they run all weekend long. You'll hear Sandra Bernhardt on Raw Dog starting on Saturday night and then replays on Sunday at 3 in the afternoon and 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and then on The Virus on Sunday, 11 a.m. in the East and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, now... Let's uh, remember this. I'm glad to talk about anything today. I don't want to talk about the ONA situation. I don't want to make it any worse. Let's all let's have a nice long weekend. Monday, pull our heads. We've all been through it before. Don't call up here now. Start the bad mouth management or whatever it happens to be and that just makes it uglier and I'm telling you that by somebody who's experienced and been with, uh, through this before but let me just say something about ONA if that's their worst of today huh, good shape because I find that highly entertaining I can't imagine that's the worst stuff I'd go so far to say maybe it's the best but that's me again I don't want to get into this today if you call up the phone on the phone and complain about them, uh, what's going on with them, or have an opinion, I'm just saying it could make matters worse. That's all. We've been through it before. We'll be th we'll we'll get through it this time. All right, eight six six Ron zero Fez eight six six Ron zero Fez uh, George Austin, you're on Fez. Friday Funk, motherfuckers! Friday Funk Day. Hey, um, I just wanted to call it, man. That's a fucking perfect song for your show, dude. It's kind of gay because of Fez, but it's badass because it got lasers in like the Ronnie B, man. You know, the only thing that I didn't have there was a whistle to blow while it was on. Because if I'm going to be into that club situation, I want a whistle to blow. And I blow that whistle so the DJ knows, yeah, we're in the fucking groove now. We're going to leave our troubles behind because we're in the groove line. You don't even have to do it, Hicks. Don't even worry about it. People know. I just fucking laid that out there. They already know where I'm coming from. Um, all right, so it is the Ron and Fez show. Today is a Friday. Big, big day for Fez Watley. As, you know, and people writing to me, 
What's the soft opening? The soft opening is this at Molly's today. They just want some people to show up so the girls that have never run the cash registers before, they're making espressos, they're making change without the full influx of an opening. Because uh, Molly's New York, we know it was going to be huge. We got some new people. And they're all like this. Uh, wait, I know how to do it in my head. Fez is going to help him do it today. Now, uh, for the run of Fez listeners, show up down there. Fez is going to be wearing a cupcake. Did you say pink icing, Fez? Pink icing, yes. No. I did not know that came in men's sizes. Well, you know, it's a little snug, but I can make it work, I'm sure. What section of the cupcake store did you buy that in, male or female? Female. All right. You know why? Because this fucking dude doesn't have any boundaries. Much like Sylvester, who we brought up today. But you know the downside of Sylvester, right, Fez? No, what's that? Acquired immune deficiency syndrome. We lost him to that. Or else he'd still be a giant fucking star today. And I know what you kids are saying. Well, we have a cure. I wouldn't call it a cure. We keep it going. But the fact of the matter is, it's not a cure. It's like a maintainer. Yeah, it's a maintainer at best. Always remember, from the drug company's point of view, there's no money in curing a disease. Why would we do There's that? only money in treating a disease. So not when everyone goes, oh, when's the cure for cancer? Never. There'll be maintenance for cancer. That's what we do. Um, Mike... Philadelphia, home of the fighting Phils. What can I do for you today? Yeah, man. What did you think about that uh, episode of Louie last night? I felt like uh, he kind of bowed down a little bit to Dan Cook. You know, it's very funny that you say that. I've I've got uh, different emails since we talked about Louie and Dan Cook last night that went in between genius or why did he let Dane off the hook. I actually thought that the person who did the bold move was Dane Cook, because he came off kind of cockish in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I think Dane has become this. Whatever you think about him, it just magnifies it more. So if you're a fan, you're like, what a ballsy move of Dane. He lays it out there and, you know, kind of makes fun of himself in kind of a Ricky Gervais extras way. And then the people who don't like him for whatever reason didn't like him even more after that. I thought he just looked kind of scary, just hanging out in that dark room and his face looked kind of a little haggard. Yeah, he, you know, it kind of was, he was like the prince of comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm so weird and in a bubble. Um, but I thought it was ballsy to do. I thought it was like, I thought it was a very, very cool thing for both of them to do. And even, and I'm going to give Dane the fucking credit here, you know, Louis was playing his hound dog bit that he does but he also said yeah you did steal my jokes you know you kind of did you didn't mean to but you did and it didn't leave anywhere there no no not at all but i did feel bad that dane didn't get to 2006 that he should have i know he only got two months he was 12. on the cover of time magazine no just the corner ronnie just still that corner cover. picture that's still the cover uh hi you're on the run of fez show Oh, yes, uh, to my fellow Funk Friday Funketeer, free your mind and your ass will follow. Mm, thank you very much. P-Funk that. Ryan, I tried to do it the other way. 
Ryan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's up, fellas? I love the show. I listen every day. Uh, first time calling. Uh, I'm in uh, Chicago, and I'll be going to Lollapalooza in a couple hours, and uh, I just really wanted to see one band in particular. I was wondering if you guys had any, any advice on uh, any other bands. Uh, what band is it that you want to see? I'm a big Maynard fan from Tool, and sure. I love uh, anything he does. He's got like three bands, so I wanted to see a perfect circle at uh, 6 o'clock. Perfect. Other than that, I have no idea who, who who's good or who's not, because I really don't <laughs> like music nowadays. <laughs> There's a little band called Sniffing the Tears. I want you to keep an eye out on them. They're going to really be blowing up in a big, big way. Sniffing the Tears. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Enjoy yourself. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ-866. Ron, Zero Fez. Jason, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hi, buddy. Calling with a number one. Uh, Tiger Woods back in the game. Fires a two under at the World Golf Championship. Tiger is back. He doesn't look 100%. No reason that he should. But the game of golf uh, apparently needs him more than anything else. Because a lot of people wander off if Tiger's not playing. That's all they want. They just want to see him rock it. That's all. That's only the reason people watch it on television. Beat the white people. That's Beat right. the white people. Beat down them crackers. I wish that you wouldn't use that term. Well, it's Funk Friday. I understand that, but I was called a cracker before, and it hurts. <gasps> I was bullied by being called a cracker. I'm sorry about that. I, didn't I used know. to get it all. Um, people used to tease me and call my dad a taxpayer. So, I mean, everybody, I guess, gets bullied in their own way. It's a bullying world. And then a lot of fucking uh, the minority kids would always tease me because the house I grew up in, that we had a pool that you could dive in the living room and come out the, the backyard into the waterfall area and the white tigers. Wow, that's... Grew up in that house. Yeah. And we had white tigers because my dad said any tiger that has any color on it at all looks stupid and common. And he just liked albino everything. Really? Yeah. Everything had to be white? Yeah, just like our carpeting, our our uh, furniture, the walls. If we put any paintings up, they had to be totally white. He just wanted pristine. It takes the fun out of the painting if it's just a white canvas. Well, he said it makes the castle look stupid. Wait, so it's a castle? You Technically, yes. I didn't consider it a castle. I consider it just a little, like anyone else, a 50-bedroom cottage that, you know people could relax in and feel like at home and i remember a lot of times when i was taking my golf cart over my parents wing i thought you know what this is america different wings now Uh, giant white castle you're not going to put 50 bedrooms in one wing guess not. the weird thing was a row home so nice neighborhood tall but anyway i digress but thanks for playing with me that part of it was fun repartee that's what we were doing there repartee uh Ryan and Fez show on a Funk Friday. I'm going to get Big Fez Watley involved in this. They call him Boy Cupcake. He's kind of a superhero, like a cupcake superhero. You can uh, meet and greet with him in Molly's New York today. But, Fez, what's on your mind? What's in in your chicken coop? Well, there's the media outrage over this 10-year-old model. Now, you say media outrage, but this is the first I'm hearing. So the 10-year-old model is where? Uh, In uh, France. Uh, All right, now... There's no media outrage in this country, then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good Morning America did a whole thing on is 10, it's, is 10 years old too old to be a, or too young to be a fashion model, and are these poses too sexy? All right. 
So, this so I haven't seen this yet. So this was uh, Vogue magazine in French, Paris. French Vogue. Yeah, Vogue Paris. So it doesn't even run in the United States. Right. Well, if Good Morning America said it, then it's a media outrage. So it's this little girl, and yes, she's dressed up in adult clothes and makeup and everything, and they're saying they're sexualizing her. All right, now, how else would you describe... I'm seeing this picture of her, and she's dressed like a supermodel, and kind of... I mean, she's not naked, right? but she's lying back on a bed with leopard pillows. She's got spike heels on. And you're saying that that's not sexualizing? No, that's a no. If anyone sees sexuality in that, if they see this as a sexy picture, that's in their own mind. This little girl, she's just playing dress up. She's not playing dress up. If she played dress up, she'd look like a little girl who didn't know how to do makeup and clothes. You know, she'd have on her mom's gown and really bad lipstick. This is adults dressing her up like this. Right, but it, there's nothing sexual about it. I don't, I don't see... Well, she's dressing like a sexual supermodel. She's like a sexy socialite type character. Yes, she is. She right. is. She's dressed like a rich woman. But a sexy rich woman. She's yeah. wearing the, the pumps. She's wearing this thing. They're, they're attempting to make this little girl look alluring. I think, you know, they're they're making her look like an adult. They're dressing her in adult clothes and putting makeup on her and doing an adult hairstyle, but I don't see where it's a sexual thing. Well, because we sexualize models in this country. The fashion industry is about sex. Sex sells, right? Uh -huh. They say that. So now that they've put a 10-year-old girl in that same pose, you can't fucking flip back and say this is all about innocence because this isn't an innocent shot. An innocent shot would be a little girl who attempted to look like a sexy woman and failed miserably. Like mismatched clothes that don't fit or whatever. Like. Right. She'd have on her mom's fucking shoes oh, yeah. and her hair would look like garbage and the makeup would be done wrong. This makeup is all done perfectly as if she was someone eight, nine years older. Yeah. See, I would say if the, if it was like an underwear ad, I could see it. But so, she's in a full outfit. Right, she's you, in a full skirt. No, Nothing is showing. No one said that this is pornography. They said you're sexualizing children. They have done that. Now, whether they can do that or not, I don't give a fuck. It's France. But then you can't turn around and say, oh, this is just innocent and cute because it's fucking done on purpose. And it's not about this little girl's intentions. It's just the opposite of that. Now, Hicks, do you think they sexualized her here? Oh, yeah. Well, well let me check with Mark Zito, who is he has not really waited all that long for this girl to be in his dating wheelhouse have they sexualized her uh definitely without a doubt she's like given like the pouty face and looking it's right and holding rabbits for some reason now the reason because oh, the rabbits are sexual well, well they fuck constantly yeah she's holding baby rabbits but you're yeah. but but this is the point of this this isn't her fault she's not doing this she has no idea what's happening to her. And now, even to take it a step further, I don't know whether this isn't okay and whether it shouldn't go out there, but why are they doing this? Why do they need a 10-year-old model and not an 18-year-old model? 
what is the purpose of putting a 10-year-old girl into this ad? Well, it isn't for other 10-year-old girls. No. No. So who's it for? I guess it's an it's something different. It's an attention grabber. Well, they've got the All right. Now here's the next one. <laughs> Holy shit. She has she's topless wearing nothing but uh her long hair and a necklace. No, that's not sexualizing. No, that looks like she's plain Indian. <laughs> she's wearing what? like a headdress, a feathered headdress. She hasn't decided to play Indian. This is adults putting her in situations. And she also needs a sandwich. You can't turn around and say that when we're doing this thing of saying to little girls, hey, it's not all about your body, you have a mind, blah, 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 then do this shit and act like we're not sexualizing. Now, here's the other problem with this. She's got an adult's face. You know what I mean? That's why they picked her. Oh, yeah. They didn't pick her because she has an innocent little girl's face. She has a very beautiful face, and you can see that she's going to grow into that model look. What's the problem with having her weight? You know? What's the, have, what's the problem with having her weight at all? Well, I think it was just to do something different. And all right, I, here's one ass up in the air, missing one shoe. Oh, God. I mean, we do all this stuff about keeping kids safe or whatever. And again, I don't care. They could run this stuff all the time. But they do this stuff just so they get people to argue about it. It's the only fucking reason. Because it's not like we would be talking about French Vogue. Well, new shoe line's out, so. See, I just don't think there's anything to argue about. I think if people are seeing her as sexy, that's in their own mind. They're the, projecting that. I, I, well, first of all, they're not projecting it. It's being projected to them. You know what I mean? That's like if you put a little kid in a movie, they're play acting, right? But if that little kid is running around shooting people like Rambo, you can't sit there and say, hey, little kids like to play guns. Because the illusion gets set up that it's real murder the illusion of this is that it's real sexuality i i think that the people who worry about this are the same ones who worry about peds all the time i mean there's certain uh there's certain people out there who think we over sexualize kids now here's one where's her hand on this it's like on the top of her jeans I don't see. I see the thumb there. Where's her hand go? Uh, it looks like it's going in her vaginal region. It looks like she's doing the old Michael Jackson. I'm grabbing my crotch. Yeah, some crotch action. Is there any fucking reason for that? At least this picture has to get to you a little bit. No, this is the tamest one out of all of them. Uh, she's in pulling a her pants down. She's in a t-shirt and jeans. But she's grabbing her crotch. Her hair now, is you're, even you're, messed up. Your 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 brother has little girls. You think he'd be happy if his wife took her out and and posed in these pictures and they got sent out into the big crazy uh, world? No, he would have a fit. Yeah, and I I think that's why they do this. I think they do it just to piss people off. Um, it's very very fucking strange. But whatever. Um, 
Let's, uh, Nate, Nate, you're on my face. Hey, buddies. Yeah. Hey, Fez, would you, uh, think it was sexual if it was a 10-year-old boy bent over in some short shorts grabbing his ankles? No. No, I think that's a totally different thing. This girl isn't in a sexual pose. These are sexually, sexual illusions. She's acting outside of her age thing. Now, somebody wrote in and said, this is art. It's in a fashion magazine. It's set out there to, you know, sell stuff to people. Um, I think this is just about sales. It's only about sales. And it's only about getting these kind of discussions going. There's no other fucking reason for it. Uh, Jake, you're on Fez. Yeah, I think Fez is crazy. I mean, this is... It's obviously... To, to make the girl look sexual. I mean, I have, I have a nine-year-old daughter. I would never let her do any pictures like that. That's, but, but see, it's one thing. We're also sexualizing, you know, kids. But at the same time, we are saying to women who are reading this fucking magazine, by the way, it's all about youth. That's when you peak. Because now we have a fucking at least a couple generations of women who are, for some reason, feeling that they need to shoot fucking drugs into their face and get this cut off and that cut off because there's something wrong with looking 25, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever age people have to be, that is, uh, there's something wrong with that. Now, I don't care what anyone does. You can do whatever you do. But when people start bitching about it, don't act like, where is this coming from? Because you literally set this up to fucking have people um, go, oh my God, this is on the edge. And you're using a little kid to do it. Uh, Mike, you're on Fez. Hey, Ron. Uh, you're right. The photo is just a graphic representation of our society's hypocrisy. We went through this decades ago with Brooke Shields. Right. Now, the funny thing is, as Brooke Shields is an adult now, she doesn't defend those fucking pictures. She's like, I felt like I was putting in, in some situations that I didn't understand. And I certainly wouldn't want that for my kids. In her own way, she's saying, well, it seems like my mom was a little money hungry. <laughs> Without actually saying that. Well, they didn't want to work. Um, let's go over here to Jeff. Jeff, you're on fist. Hey, Ronnie, yeah. uh, I love your show, brother, but uh, have you stopped to realize that you're having a conversation about what is or isn't sexual with a 70-year-old virgin? Now, to be totally honest here, Fez's opinion is shared by a lot of people. And if the pictures were even slightly different, I'd be on that side of it. But you can't say that the photographer and the magazine didn't do this on purpose so that these conversations would take place. And you can't say that, that a 10-year-old girl has made the decision herself that this is the poses she wants to, to do. She's in a position where she just wants to please the fucking photographer. You don't think a 10-year-old girl would want to dress up in adult clothes and have her hair and makeup done? I'm going to tell you something. I just was in grand jury. I had to fucking sit through a lot of fucking things with little girls that were trying to please the photographers. I had to fucking see these things. Oh. And they were all made up. Some of them were made up looking exactly like this. So maybe I'm a little fucking edgy about it. Mm -hmm. But yes, little girls 
like to please men. They do. And it's up to fucking adults to go, we have to, you know, we have to make these right decisions for them because they're not ready yet. That's like saying, don't you think a little boy would like to take a gun and fucking shoot dogs with it? I know I did when I was a kid. Fuck you, let's light them up. As soon as we got a BB gun, we shot a dog. Every fucking time. <laughs> and if we had a bigger gun, we would have fucking killed dogs. We didn't care. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, yeah, hey, boys. Yeah, this one hits pretty close to home. I've got an 11-year-old daughter, and for about the last two years, maybe last year, she's really got into, like, more looking like a girly girl, she calls it, where she, she just tends to mimic the 16-year and 18-year-old girls the way they like to look, and she's got no idea about projecting sexuality. I'm sure the little boys in her class all like the way she looks, but she doesn't do it for that reason. So, you know, I give her a lot of leeway. I don't get as freaked out about it as I did in the beginning, but when it comes to the makeup, that's where I kind of just lay down a lot and say, you know, I, I know it's not, you know, you're not doing it for any bad reasons. I know you like the way it looks, and, and, and you're not doing it to, to do anything bad. But I said, it just, it's something that I can't really deal with right now. You know, maybe in a few years when you want to start wearing the war paint, you know, I'm not going to bark about it. But right now, it's just something that freaks me out a little. So she kind of grudgingly, you know, obliges me. It doesn't, doesn't whine about it too much. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if she had her way... She'd be taking on mascara and, and yeah. all the other war paint. You know, it's just, it's just, I can't, I can't explain to her that you know, there's certain guys out there that look at that and want to, you know, want to do things with you. And you know, I'm not going to lay it all out to her right now, but you know, she's not doing it for that reason. She just wants to look like the 18 year old cousins and, right. and that kind of shit. You know? Yeah, and that, and and it's the same way when I'm looking at this. Uh, no way do I think the little girl is behind this. If no, she they're, was they're trying to get a pop, pop off. This is yeah, I mean, she's episode. sitting down in a chair, and adults are, you know, portraying her this way. But when you do that, you've got to be ready to take a little heat from people. And by the way, they love it. They love the fact that people who don't normally talk about French Vogue are fucking talking about it. Um, 866 Ron Zero Fez. Uh, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Um, here is... Well, this is Alicia. You're in the Run of Fez show. Alicia. Are you saying Allison? Well, I have, I have it written down as Alicia, but I well, will call you by your correct name, Allison. Hi, this is Allison from Long Island. How you doing, Ron? Hey, honey. Okay, so I wanted to talk about the reason that people first develop makeup. And if you go back and study it, it was to give the impression of sexual arousal. When you look at the body's reaction sexually to the hormones, your cheeks get flushed, your lips get redder, your eyes get wider. So when you're looking at makeup, that's the purpose. So I had no idea of this. Yes. So why are you putting makeup on a 10-year-old girl? Uh, and putting it on in a very adult way. How do you defend this, Fizz? I think it, you know, I think it looks silly. I think it looks goofy. This doesn't look goofy and silly. Hell She's no. done perfectly I, well. Yeah, I, th I think it looks pretty. But you know, if you saw that girl walking down the street in full makeup, it would it would be a giggle because she's too young that to be wearing adult makeup. That doesn't so. even, doesn't even make sense at all because it's being done professionally. Yeah. If she attempted to do it herself, you might think, 
how funny she's trying to be grown up, but this makeup is being put on professional. They took hours to do this. Um, Allison, do you think uh, good idea or bad idea to do this with 10-year-old girls? Bad idea. Terrible idea. Yeah. Terrible idea. You know, we have to start looking at what is important in this world as far as self-esteem for little girls and what is really important. Makeup and looking this way is not important. It's about developing yourself and inner core. Mm. So it's, it's, it's frustrating to me. I have a little daughter, and I could never imagine somebody putting her in that be looked at. and I, I just couldn't imagine it. All right, um, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. It is the uh, Run and Fez show. Um, Let's go over here to uh, Mark. Mark, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie Microphone. I don't... uh, I uh, have a 14-month-old daughter. That's what we call you down in Texas, man. You're always the Ronnie Microphone. Mm. If anything, I like to be Ronnie Baseball, taking over from Donnie Baseball. All right, man. Look, I you know Teddy ball game. If I you want to start calling me Ronnie ball my, uh, game, I never knew my opinion until I had a daughter. And man, this is uh, I'm kind of hoping that she doesn't like boys. I'm being honest with you, man, because if, if, if she gets into soccer and basketball, I'm cool with that. I'm not going to judge her, but for a parent to put makeup on their daughter like that, man, there's something seriously wrong with that. So it's you know once I, I'm a parent now. You're almost turning me around. You're almost taking me to Fez's side because you sound kind of crazy. Uh, Chris, Jersey, you're on running Fez. Yeah, Ron, I think you're missing the bigger picture here that uh, Fez is actually a pedophile. Well, it isn't so much that he's a, a pedophile, but just picture after picture. It's crazy. Just man. picture after picture. Um, here is. Uh, let's go over here to Ian. Ian, you're on running Fez. Hey, Ronnie Baseball. Yeah. Uh, forget about the makeup. Fez, how do you defend the picture where she's got her hand down her pants? How is that not sexual? She's got her hand on her jeans. Dude, why she's don't you be honest with you? She's got her thumb there, and the bottom's cut off where she's cupping herself in that Michael Jackson way. And it's done on purpose. You're not fucking retarded. You could at least say, all right, one of these pictures, there's no fucking modeling reason for it. Most of these are kind of crazy. And the and the weird thing is, if you just saw the face and said to people on the street, how old is this kid with the makeup on and her hair done like that, all you had was the face shot, I bet you would go out on the street and people would be saying 17, 18, 19 years old. Because they they're using the makeup to take away her innocence and her youth. And... Um, you know, make her look that way. Larry, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, um, besides that photo with her hair, you know, over her naked body, that. But besides that, I don't think it's an issue because, uh, I don't know, her dad's a professional soccer player, her mom's a supermodel, like, they just live that life, and I think she'll be fine. I don't really think no, it's a big deal. L- look, it's their culture. No, it's first fresh. of all, yeah, uh, and I totally get that. I I totally get that this little kid is safe. Uh, and surrounded by safe people. But the fucking bottom line here is, are they sexualizing kids? And the answer is yes. This is sexualizing. Period. It doesn't mean that this is pornography or anything else, but you're trying to take a 10-year-old 
and make her sexually alluring. And you're doing it on purpose, and then to turn around and hide around, hey, this is just innocence, is bullshit. Or you'd put an innocent kid there and take pictures, and we wouldn't have these conversations. Because we have tons of fucking modeling things with little kids in it, and no one bitches. You, there is tons of things with 10-year-old girls wearing 10-year-old clothes, uh, you know, age-appropriate, and no one ever says this kid's in trouble. This got put in there because they're making her look like she's a coke-snorting supermodel, and they're doing it on purpose. Now, do they have the right to do that? Absolutely. I'm not going to take it away from them. But at the same time, don't hide and bullshit and start acting like her thumb is on the top of her pants. And if you see anything different, you're crazy. That's bullshit. Um, let's, um, let's go over here to... Um, let's go to Tyler. Tyler, you're on the Run Fest show. How's it going, Ron? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the I mean, America has has no one seen the toddlers and tiaras. Uh, I mean, this isn't like new news. The, there's been a fascination with dressing up little girls, right? And people bitch time. about people bitch about those shows all the time. Uh, people have bitched about the um, little cheerleader things. I don't know whatever happened in this country, but we've completely gotten rid of batons and actual cheerleading. And it's become some other crazy kind of modern dance thing that's using the name cheerleading. It's the grind. Thank you. It's Eric from the grind has done this. It's Eric from the grind for nine-year-olds. Um, I need people on um, Fez's side here. I really do. Jake, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Uh, I just want to point out the futility of the fact that you're having a conversation about sexual ethics with a 50-year-old queen with a huge secret. Uh, look, that's not the point of this. Fez is standing on a part of this discussion. He hasn't defended it well because he's just got the the one aspect that this is just innocence. The problem is it isn't. It isn't about her innocence. It's about her lack of innocence. That's what makes the pictures work. That's what's going to make people stop and look at it. To hide behind this is just a little kid playing dress up is bullshit. Um, See, I don't think it's any different than, I can't think of the name of it, but that movie where all the kids play gangsters. I think Scott Baio was in it. Well, when you get all that together, come back to me with it. We'll, we'll use that as a start. Um, here is uh, Michelle. Michelle, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys, I love this show. But what about Brooke Shields? Her whole childhood, she was in all those risque movies. She had the Calvin Klein. Yeah. And um, as an adult, she's not crazy about it. Yeah, but it's what happened. I mean, it's been going on throughout history. I don't think it's right, but it's been done. Yeah, just because it's been... Well, look, wait. Get an older one. Get, a, get an older woman. Yeah, well, they don't want an older woman because it wouldn't have anybody fucking talking. Just like for no... You know, Fez brought this story in um, to protect French Vogue. I guarantee you he hasn't picked up a French Vogue in his life. He doesn't know what the magazine is about. He just knows he's against Good Morning America uh, for it. All right, here's somebody to uh, be on Fez's side, his mentor, Fred Brooklyn. You got Fred Brooklyn here. Hey, Fred. Uh, is that his radio plan? So I guess his idea was just to put his phone up to his radio? All right, well, then that's a point for Fez. Um... 
Here's uh, Bob. Bob, you're on Fez. Yeah, the guy called uh, Fez a pedophile couldn't be more wrong, but he just knows nothing of female sexuality at all. He just ha he has no idea whatsoever. Uh, Jason. Jason, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's up, buddy? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if this was on Pete Townsend's computer or, or anybody else's computer at home, wouldn't this be you know, considered child pornography? No, it is definitely not child pornography. Uh, and I in no way think that this should be illegal. That's not the point of this. The point of this is this. Are they sexualizing kids? Yeah, they are. Um, here's uh, Patrick. You're on the Run of Face show. Hey, guys. I figured this out. Uh, it turns out that, Ron, you and Hicks are normal, and Fez is actually a gay pedophile. I say we're that's not. Say that's it. not true. None of that is true. Um at all. Fez is on the side of, of an opinion that I could understand. You know, I think that you could hide behind the fact that they're doing something artistic here, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if you could, you know, I don't know if that holds water, but even if, it's, if you're saying it's artistic, you have to admit that it's controversial on, pub, uh, on purpose. That's the point of this, that they wanted these type of conversations. Uh, Dave, you're on Fez. Bonnie B, Fez is just becoming, you know, he just wants to get a ruse out of, every, out of everybody. And he's becoming a Or even a rise. Yeah, he's just a liar, Fez. It's becoming the liar show. He's not he a liar. He started lying yesterday about movies. Oh, yeah. Well, he did lie yesterday. But he, he yeah. I don't think, I think that he saw some uh, backlash to this. Wanted to join into the backlash of the backlash. Uh, Nate, you're on Fez. Hey, I don't see what the big deal is. I mean, let's just rewind back to the uh, mid-90s. Things turned out pretty tip-top for John Benny Ramsey. All right. I don't know if anyone's going to hurt this little girl, and I hope they don't. She's a gorgeous uh, kid. She's going to be a beautiful uh, young lady in a couple years. Oh, yeah. Why not do the same pictures then? Why not let her be a kid? Now, a lot of people said that about Jodie Foster. I'm going to... I'm going to use Fez's, I'm going to take Fez's thing. I'm going to go back and forth. I'm going to be you for a minute. Did you like Taxi Driver? I did. I also thought Jodie Foster was like an exceptional rule to that. But on the other hand to it, look what happened to Jodie Foster from doing that movie. She was fucking followed around by lunatics time and time again. You're putting that little girl into a thing of being followed around by lunatics. It happens. They'll find her too. Um... Here is um, Kevin. Kevin, you're on the run of fish. Hey, Ronnie, how you doing? Yeah, I. Uh, sorry to go off topic here, but I just I needed to call you. Um, got a big anniversary coming up. Going to be coming into New York City for the weekend with my wife. She's been of all things like I'm taking her to go see Wicked. <laughs> um, I need a couple of restaurants from you. Something Friday night, kind of casual but cool. And then Saturday night after Wicked, something hopefully close that we can do a nice little stroll from Wicked to the restaurant. Um, I like Bobby Flay's place. It, it it looks the way people think that a New York restaurant uh, should look. And it's actually very, very close to Wicked. So, that, so that would be the Saturday night one? Yeah, that would okay. be the Saturday night one. Now, you want to go, uh, you're casual, and you kind of want to stay in Midtown? Yes. Um, the other one is the one that we're always, we try to get Fez to go to, it was called, what, Becco? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, that's a little more of a casual thing. There's actually some right there in the theater. Hold on. I'm going to put you on hold for a second. Okay. And, where, and find out where Bobby Flay's place is. Uh, it's, I know it's right uh, close there. It's called Bar American. And it's actually got a pretty gorgeous look. The food's good. And, you know, you're not all cramped in there. It's on 52nd okay. Street. What was the name of that? Bar American. Bar American. Okay. Yeah. And then on the... the Friday night one, what was that? Uh, I think that's called Becco, is it, Fez? I, I'm pretty sure it's Becco. B-E-C-C-O. It's an Italian place, and you get three different pastas, and it's also got a great... It's on West 46. On West 46. So both of them are right in your same area. Awesome. All right? Thank you very much. Hey, make sure you make reservations of both, okay? I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to hang up right now, and I'm going to call these places. All right. See you, pal. Thank you. Um, look who it is. It's the happy typing girl. H-T-G. How you doing, Deb? Hello. How are you? Um, for this, I want to tell that caller he could also go to htg.yelp.com. I have posted a list of all the restaurants that you've talked about on the show. Oh, good. So uh, if, if those two places are booked, he uh, has a couple more options. That's all I really need to tell people to do is to go to your Yelp page because you've got, like, how many New York restaurants in there? 90? 100? 150? More than 100. All right. Well, so, thanks for that, HTG. That's not why I called. Them. Oh, yeah. Uh, I called because of this uh, this uh, picture controversy. The picture is in French Vogue, right? Yes, it is. I think that um, one thing that everybody's missing is that French Vogue has a completely different standard. Um, they do things very differently. This was not meant necessarily for an American audience. In fact, I, I can't even believe that the American press has picked up on it when they don't really talk about the great things going on in French Vogue every month. And uh, it, it's for a French aesthetic, which is a different aesthetic. I've only seen one of the pictures, um, but it, to me it looks like, first of all, they're glamorizing, not sexualizing. And could there be a sexual component to that? Of course, anytime you make a little girl look glamorous, there's a sexual component. Thank you. But... So what? I mean, the, what, I went on uh, when I went on C the last time I was on CNN. It was to uh, argue with wh what I consider to be kind of a crazy man saying that a billboard with a teenager and two boys on either side of her had to be taken down because it was too sexual. No, I'm. D don't get me wrong. I I would not stop this little girl from being in French Vogue. Uh, although. If I was with the government, I'd probably be keeping half an eye on it. I'd be looking at that French Vogue every month going, uh, is there anything we got to worry about here? But at the same time, when people get offended by this, you can't hide. You have to be able to say, we think it's okay to sexualize kids. Because that's what they're doing. I don't, I don't think they have to put that label on it necessarily that they're sexualizing. They can be glamorizing. They're, it's a, it's a, a juxtaposition of a young girl looking like an older woman and kind of playing with and imitating the poses that older women have taken. I, I honestly think that men who are sexualizing this are, like Fez said, putting their own feelings and thoughts on I mean, there's no... There's all right, let, let's go to where we are on this. Now, Zito, where did you see all these pictures? Uh, there, A lot of blogs picked them up from a website. It was a Tumblr called Fuck Yeah. Uh, her name is Thailand Lubreed Blondeau. Wait a minute, her middle name is Lou Reed? That's Lou, fucking Lou, unbelievably Lou, hip. Lou, I don't know what that is. 
I think it's Lena Rose. So that you're already saying that there's blogs and websites out there sexualizing the little girl. Yeah, all they would do is, uh, like I've seen these fuck yeah sites before for other celebrities, all they normally do is post facts and photos of that person, whatever they're dedicated to. So this, there was a site completely See if there's a fuck yeah Fez Watley. I would check. love to see that. Um, well, the, the photograph that's made it onto all the news articles, I, I see nothing wrong with that photograph. And, I, and I'm, No, there's a lot more of them. There's a lot more out out there besides just the one that the Standard News is running. But even the one in the Standard News where Fez is saying, this is just silly and she looks silly and ridiculous. No, she doesn't. She looks like a young woman in these pictures. Uh, if you go to uh, any shopping mall in America and look at the I window don't. of their glamour shots, you will see 10-year-old girls trying to look like models they've seen posed, putting on the same clothes, putting on the pouty look, and it's not sexual to them, to those little girls, that's glamorous. Right, but here's, here's the... Alright, same thing. If a 13-year-old boy is masturbating, we can't act like... So what's the difference if adult men start fucking masturbating that kid? He's doing it anyway. I think that adults need to stay out of kids' fucking uh, strange 13-year-old years. It was up to me. You would take these tweens to teens and ship them to an island where they could just live their life. Now I think the Brits forcing... I used to think the Brits were so weird when they would force their kids out into the country to stay in buildings together yeah. before they could come back with table manners. Now I'm getting it because you're taking the, at least taking the adults out of their life a little bit. Well, and here's one of the problems I have with, you know, the, the way we've increasingly globalized is now you have the entire country of the United States t telling the French people who have a different culture and who have different ways that they look at things how they can behave and act. No, I don't think so. I don't I I don't think that we're stopping them from doing it and we're not stopping French Vogue. The only reason this came up is Fez said anyone who complains about this is wrong. This is just innocent fun that girls do. And I don't think it is if you've got adults setting up the illusions. There there's an adult photographer there's adult makeup people. There's an adult magazine editor. You can't act like this is just girls being girls. But it's still but just putting her in costumes. I think it's what bothered me the most is when you said that there's no way that these people at French Vogue can get away with saying they didn't do this just for the controversy. And I think it's really hard to make that statement without seeing the history of French Vogue and what they've always Well, I've done. never heard of them before, and I still feel like I can make that. I think that, I think that the advertising business loves controversy. Calvin Klein is, uh, you know, to me, was the first one that started to put these things out there. I don't ever see him hiding from the fact that it gets a lot of great attention to him when he pisses people off. That's absolutely true and, and I believe Calvin Klein has even admitted to that, but you know, French folk, I don't think this is out of the ordinary for French folk. I don't think this is unusual for French folk. And if you go to any Maplethorpe exhibit in the country, uh, unless they've banned them by now, and I don't think they have, you'll see pictures of children in adult situations. Yeah, well, they have banned a lot of Maplethorpe things, and I don't know which pictures that you're talking about but Maplethorpe has been shut down many many times in this country I don't know if that's the example you want to use as relax America there's the Maplethorpe pictures but I don't know anyone no one that I know is in favor of banning Maplethorpe pictures but they've done it 
just because you don't know those people. I mean, you or I, we don't speak for everybody. They, they, they've done it, but I don't believe it's right to do that. And I don't believe that Maplethorpe was trying to be, um, just trying to get publicity for his, um, for his art when he did it. And I don't think that French Vogue is just trying to get, you know, a right, What are they trying to say with these pictures? You take a little girl and you're, you're trying to make her look 22 years old. So what are they saying to us? Is it about age? Is it about the female form? What is it? I don't know exactly. It could be many things, but to, to take a child and dress them like an adult, whether you do it by dressing them in a business suit or, in, or, or dressing them as a doctor or a nurse or dressing them, you know, as a glamorous woman. Uh, All right, let's suppose... out on her, on her, I don't know what they call those. All right, let, let's suppose this. She's 10 years old. They've got her hair teased up. They've got her in a G-string, and she's dancing on a pole. That would be okay if French Vogue wants to do it. No, I, I don't. Uh, that would that would cross my boundary. All right, so you, you also have boundaries. Yes, of course, but she's fully dressed in this picture, and so... No, uh, one, one we're looking at that she's undressed from the uh, waist up, and she has her blonde hair and necklace over her now non-existent breast. So nothing's showing. Yeah. There's nothing to no, show. No, I don't want to put this on 202 Friends. We have kids at the beach do, dressed like that, too. And if you go into um, any suburban shopping mall, you are going to... I don't go there. I'm shocked at, at how sexualized the young girls are and how they dress. I... They're perfectly okay with it. I'm okay as long as they're in control of it. I'm less okay when it's the adults deciding what we should do with this. You know what I mean? I'm. Why would she be in any less control than if she were walking in the shopping mall dressed like this? Because adults are talking her into doing it and saying, you look beautiful, this looks great, and off they go. And HDG, I don't want to fucking harp on it, but I sat in a bunch of these things and watched the, what goes on for sex crimes in this city. And the little girls were not saying stop or whatever. They were going along with what the adults thought was the behavior to do. A little kid isn't making their own decisions. And I'm telling you right now, Brooke Shields will tell you the same thing. That looking back on it, she wouldn't, the adult her would not make those decisions for the child her then we then we can't have child models at all under any circumstance that's crazy we don't sit around and we're not arguing about the jc penny ads we're not but they're still not they're still not making those decisions and they might regret them later so if, if we're saying a child can't make the decision and we're saying we don't want to trust the parent to make the appropriate decision for them then we have to just take the child aspect out of it completely i don't even know what that whether means sex, but you make whether, it's, whether the sexuality is the problem in question or any anything at all. All right. I appreciate you calling, HTG. All right. Thanks, guys. You carried the flag, uh, the Fez flag, very, very high. Thank you. You made some very strong points for Fez. Uh, let's break here. When we come back, we've got pictures of eight-year-old penises that have been tied to popsicle sticks. I, I just want to make one more point of this, and I think HDG gets it. I don't want to shut them down. I, I don't want to attack the kids' parents. But at the same time, you can't act like this isn't sexualizing a kid. Now, glamorizing versus sexualizing, I don't want to go here. But I will say this. 
this fucking Hicks is not a prude. And it weirded him out. By no means am I prudish. And that little girl is, as Jersey Shore kids say, DTF in those pictures. I hope that's not true. I didn't see the Jersey Shore last night, did you? I missed it. From what I understand, uh, they were really yelling at each other. I heard a few things. I heard some, some things came out. Fake yelling? A little bit. Also, you know, secrets were exposed. What's going on with C single Ronnie? Not sure, but I know the situation in Snooki I reveal that they've been banging mm. on the DL. Uh, Tim wants to give us an update. Tim, go ahead. Hey, guys. Hey, you know, you can't uh, recommend Bobby's Place Restaurant because he's sleeping with Ari Gold. Or Ari Gold's wife. I got no problem with that. Anybody who took that fucking woman off the show would be fine with me. I never liked the Ari Gold as a pussy at home aspect. No, it doesn't make any sense. This show should have been through uh, Vince's eyes. Period. It should have. N we never should have known where Ari Gold went. He could have said, "I love my wife, and I'm going home," and that would have been perfect. We never needed to see the wife and kids. Is his gay assistant still on the show? Mm -hmm. Yes, but of course he's moved his way up that he's going to be head of the TV division. Because, oh, you know, the way you you move through corporations on TV is unbelievable. They've asked me to move to France to be head of French Vogue sales. I don't know whether I'm going to marry you or take the job. It happens constantly in TV and movies. In real life, you just see people like this. I've been here for 12 fucking years. And nothing has moved. What the fuck? They don't even know I'm here, these bastards. Talk about fucking ghost. Right, hold on. Here's Sean. Sean, you're on my face. Hey, Ronnie. The best part of Jersey Shore last night was they were showing the preview for the rest of the season, and they were showing the situation in Ronnie in a very large yelling match in yeah. the situation, saying, you want to do it, let's go. Then the next thing they show is the situation completely knocked out on the ground with paramedics helping them. Wow, I can't wait to see the planned fight. Could be awesome. And for a hundred thousand dollars a week, you're going to let somebody punch you in the eye. Yeah, everything's a fucking work. Just punch me in the fucking face. Where's the cash? I like I any fucking show where they act like the person's lonely, and you know that you know I'm. I was stuck at home alone all night. Well, we know you got 15 cameramen there you could be talking to. And a producer, somebody you can fucking They'll watch with. TV with you. Uh, Marcy, you're on my face. The only difference between glamorizing and sexualizing is that they're hiding behind a label so they can do this to their children, and it's wrong. Where are you calling from, Marcy? Uh, Pennsylvania. You a church-going woman? Yeah. I'm going to come to your church with you this Sunday. What religion are you? Sorry, what? Well, I'm going to come with you to church this. You know, now All I right. feel like I'm real middle of the country religious myself after this fight with HTG and Fesday. What religion are you? Protestant. Oh, no, I could never worship the devil. But <laughs> if you ever want to go to a Catholic church, I'll go with you. All right, thanks. Bye -bye. All right, thanks. Bye. Protestant. Fuck that. That whole religion should just be called, I want to like Jesus, but I don't want to do any of the hard stuff to get there. Uh, Fez is going out and uh, being Cupcake Boy today, and I think it's a little provocative. 
It's going to be at 2 o'clock at the new Molly's Cupcakes in New York. That's at uh, 6th Avenue and Bleecker Street. I'll be there at 2 o'clock for the soft opening. Be careful with that language. Um, and what are you going to do, Fez? You're going to have prizes, balloons, and you're going to uh, ride bikes with kids. You're going to do all that stuff. I'm going to make sure everyone has a great cupcake experience. Mm. You say all the right words, my friend. You say all the right words. Um, I'm going to now start and just call Fez, Fez Deb, because they're buddies. Okay. But I'm also keeping kids away from both of them. Good, good idea. Do you want to funk? Can't wait for that fight. Um, we break back. Coming up in a little bit, Ms. Sandra Bernhardt. Ms. Sandra Bernhardt. Unmasked. It's the Ron and Fez Show. The Ron and Fez Show. On the virus.
It's the Ron and Fez show. That was Miss Sandra Bernhardt coming up in, um, what, about an hour? About an hour and a half? Yeah, but yeah right around there. Or Unmasked with Sandra Bernhardt, uh, which will then run all weekend on the Raw Dog and here. Um, you can always check out those times on 202 Friends. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Today's show is dedicated to Cha-Cha, the best dancer at St. Bernadette's. We lost Cha-Cha. Uh, and I know a lot of people were mad about her for taking John Travolta and dancing and winning that thing when it really should have been Olivia Newton-John, but... I can also blame John Travolta for that. Yeah, really. I mean, why wouldn't he want to be with the best dancer at St. Bernadette's? And then later, when she was dancing with Pizza Face, they were pretty goddamn good. She has moves. Um, <clears throat> Kathleen from the Bronx wants to know uh, what the names of my father's two white tigers were. Um, what was Edgar and Johnny Winter? And the weird thing is, we had them... Uh, my dad bought them even before he knew that Edgar and Johnny Winter even broke. So it was just one of those weird coincidences. Wow. Um, she also said Louie was driving her nuts because she was yelling to herself last night, this is real, but it's not. But it's also real, but it's not. <laughs> he mind-fucked us. Yeah. And she says, Happy Funk Friday, Ronnie Benz. You're just adorable, Kathleen. Nice. And then she also writes, Fez is a pervert. Why would she write that? Well, you said that you want your nieces to dress up like street horse. No, I, I wouldn't want my nieces to do that. I wouldn't want them to do that at all. Well, it wouldn't be your place to stop, right? You couldn't stop them. No, they have parents. But I would uh, voice my protest about it. Why don't you feel that for the other kid? Because they're not blood? Well, yeah, the niece thing always gets to me. It's always a, a weakness. Ugh. Scary. That's Maybe you should never be alone with them. Disturbing. You know? This reminds me of Twilight. What else is in your wheelhouse today, Watley? Well, there's... Um, a More controversy? I guess so. There's a new Summer's Eve commercial. I don't want to um, go. I don't want to stay with the vagina today. We're a, we're a uh, hot man talk. Well, the drunk that uh, uh, smashed up the Letterman shows at Sullivan Theater lobby, he's now saying that yeah, when he did it, he had drank two six packs and had a pl plenty of shots of Jack Daniels, and that's well, why he ended up doing it. Yeah, I don't think that's the type of thing that you do after three beers. <laughs> you got to be pretty fucking annihilated before you break up a goddamn. Uh, Building blackout time, and didn't he say he was mad because he couldn't find his phone? Yeah, I think that was some part kind of, of it. a crazy rage. Yeah, he he says he doesn't remember anything after leaving the last bar he was hitting until the police were dragging him away. I've been there. Mm. Normally, about after two six packs and a bunch of shots, <laughs> drink a fifth of whiskey. See, I think the guy. It's first of all, I think he's bragging. I doubt that he drank all this much. It's not that much. That's about where you get when you're loaded. Two six-packs and shots. Yeah, it's like a night out at the bar. And I think this guy... Why, how much do you drink when you get that annihilated? Oh, uh, for me, it's uh, it's very quickly. I would say 
four beers and a shot and I'm gone. Four beers and a shot and you would break up the fucking Letterman place? No, no, this is my point. I wouldn't break up the Letterman. Uh, there was You might have to two six-packs and a bunch of shots. See, I don't think I would. I don't think it's the alcohol. I think it's the person. I think this guy is probably someone who breaks things up. I bet his friends have trouble with him all the time when he drinks. So it's not the alcohol? No, I think it's the personality on the alcohol. I don't think it's the amount of alcohol. Now, do I have to play something right now? Do you realize that when you step in shit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I understand that, yeah. What am I going to play? Uh, me yelling at the intern when I, when I drank. Correct the mundo, right answer. So, you think that you're a bad person or you were just all fucked up that day? No, I think that's, I think that's me. I think that's my emotional personality getting upset coming out. You never do that when you're fucking sober. I've never seen you sober freak out like that. that you were a wild. mad dog that day. That was a wild day. Oh, speaking of drinking, I got this. Uh, I got this email sent to me uh, by Michelle in Oklahoma. She's a, she listens to Audible. Um, she said I lived in Cairo, Egypt for three and a half years. It would be no exaggeration to say that you're the only thing that kept me from losing my mind during that exhilarating but extremely stressful time. I walked down the chaotic streets of Cairo witnessing the most threatening and batshit crazy things I've ever seen in my life, but it didn't faze me because my uh, attention was more focused on such wondrous things like your Brett Favre impression. I lived in, through a three-day ride over a soccer match, which took place outside my apartment building. Um, you think you could find it in your heart to retell the story of when Dave rapped after dinner at the restaurant? Oh, it's not uh, you're uh, you're recounting the evening's events as one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life, like tears and abominable pain. Funny. Well, here's the problem with that. And we came back the day after we had some big party, and we out went out, and uh, we were at this kind of a Russian place. And it was one of those places where you get the block of ice and the bottle of vodka is in it. And it was such a funny but horrifying thing that went on there where you're like, Dave is went and grabbed the mic yeah. and started rapping to a bunch of people that were like families and shit. Children. And, yeah, and dropping... F-bombs and C-bombs and just overall madness. But it was one of those things like where you're trying to say stop, but you're laughing. That's as hard as I've fucking laughed in maybe years. Maybe the hardest I've laughed ever. And yet at the same time, I wanted him to stop. It was crazy that entire night. It's, it's and I remember HTG was yelling at me, stop him, stop him, while she was laughing. And I couldn't have done it. First of all, I couldn't have got through that crowd to get to him. No, it was packed. It was packed out. But I could never retell the story properly, uh, Michelle. So what we will do, we'll try to um, find that for you. Uh, by the way, Fez, people are asking how long is the soft uh, opening today. It's really 2 to 10, not that Fez is going to be there the whole time. Uh, Fez will be showing up by 2 o'clock uh, in a cost uh, costume of made of cupcakes, much like they do on Project Runway 
where his outfit will be completely made of cupcakes. Uh, so make sure you get down there. It's in the village, the brand new New York Mollies. Um, let's, Hicks, uh, uh, you have been able to find that? Yep, I pulled it, yeah, from the uh, the day after. Do I need to set it up anymore? I mean, we're out at a party. Everybody's drinking shots. So, yeah, you say, it's, it's in here, the setup. It's all set up? Yeah. All right, so this is for Michelle uh, from Oklahoma. She left her last name, but I'm not going to give it uh, out. But she sounds like a real bombshell. Um, but this is it. This is our kind of Christmas party that we spent in a Russian Jewish restaurant called Sammy's on the Lower East Side of New York and how our buddy Dave was acting that night. Uh, so I'll, I'll set the scenario here. It's a Jewish restaurant on the uh, Lower East Side of Manhattan. It was the four guys from the show, the girls, and Mikey Boy uh, all showed up. Festive night, happy night. We're eating chopped liver, we're having one Jewish delicacy after another, and the boys are drinking Grey Goose out of a block of ice. A solid block of ice doing uh, Grey Goose out of. And I give everybody credit for this. You drank like Russians. Yeah. You <laughs> did not um, use mixers like, I don't know, like it was a Sex in the City fucking show. <laughs> By the time everybody got in there, we start, the, the rounds went around. Dave, had you already had drinks before you showed up? Um, yeah, oh yeah, I had a beer too, before, mm. but you know, just beer, not not drinks, like, I wasn't going, I didn't go nuts, but I had a beer too, maybe a beer and a half. Uh, so, and it's a packed little restaurant, and there's also a keyboard, uh, it almost is, it might be a little above a Casio, but not much, <laughs> played by the great Donnie Love. Who looks exactly like Zero Mostel and is doing old Jewish things. And we're going to get going. We're just waiting for ten more tables of Jews to show up, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know, and he's singing stuff like Jew York, Jew York, and we're having a ball. It is as campy and tacky and old school as you could get. And the food is out of this world. Dave was immediately drunk. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I just hit that vo that vodka instantly. Hit instantly. It, hit it and it hit it hard, like filled it. Because you know what it was? W because it was chilled, yeah. it just was ridiculously smooth. So I would go down, drink the whole fucking thing, and then pour it back up and just drink it like as if it was 7-Up. He was drinking vodka like water, and they went through a couple bottles of Grey Goose. But, you know, I thought Mikey Boy will be the first drunk one. That'll make us all laugh. <laughs> Mikey Boy maintained. Uh, Fez Watley, although said some odd and anti-social things, also overall maintained. Thank you. Chris Stanley, it's like watching Lee Marvin drink. You're not going to see anything out of him. Mm -hmm. Davy Mac, for some reason, every time he would eat something, he would turn around and give big thumbs up <laughs> to the singer, Donnie Love, as if... Donnie Love had something to do with this. As the night is going on, and Donnie Love, he does jokes and he sings Sinatra songs. Yeah. And I remember him. It was a, it was one of those, for first of all, it was basically 
we were in the bar um, of a uh, of the Bastards movie. Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> we were down in the bar yeah. where you're not going to get out of there easy if you're going to be in a fight. Yeah. And everybody's packed in and you can't move from one place uh, to the other. And Donnie would stop by because we were the only guys really laughing and clapping at his jokes when he would, and then <laughs> clap for him when he would do the, the, the trumpet thing. The food kept coming. The food was fantastic. Uh, garlic steaks mm -hmm. and every Jewish delicacy that you can imagine. Mm. Uh, at the end, they they do egg creams right there at the table. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic really night. Good. And incredibly cheap. Really, really uh, not an expensive place. So as the night is rolling along, more and more fun is taking place. Dave <laughs> then gets it in his mind. Oh, by the way, the contest will just do for a sign run a Fez t-shirt. Because I don't know where the list is. So sign Ron and Fez t-shirt if you can guess the New York restaurant that we ate in. Um, the guy comes around. Dave says to him, I sing too. <laughs> so Shit. he is. Uh -oh. And then Dave says, I want to sing with you. I want to sing the Beatles. I want to sing the Beatles. <laughs> Donnie Love says, yes. We're all laughing. Another 20, 25 minutes goes along. That's the We're thing. still eating. Now, at certain times, <laughs> the Dave thing. will get on the phone with Earl, start calling him, yes. then go outside during the meal and have a cigarette <laughs> during this gigantic steak. <laughs> like 30 text messages when I looked at my phone the next day. Like, wow, I really wanted Earl to come over. Yeah, you did. And then Earl called me later that night and goes, what happened? Did you really want me there? <laughs> So, um, <laughs> while this guy is singing in this packed restaurant, Dave is looking at him like, I want to sing. <laughs> and putting, acting like he's in the microphone. Everyone's saying, Dave, stop it. <laughs> I'm looking over at Donnie Love, the great singer, entertainer, and I see him look back at Dave like this. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> As he's singing, I'm like, don't worry about it. It's all taken care of. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and it's almost like I'm at the bridge of the Titanic <laughs> where I see the iceberg. The people in the back are still eating and drinking. But I see that we're handed. We're headed for a horrible time. So uh, Donnie Love is like, we're going to bring up a gentleman who wants to sing a little with us tonight. And... Dave starts to head off. Dave thinks he's walking backstage to get there. Heads into a rush <laughs> <laughs> It was confusing, I guess. I don't remember any of this, by the way. You honestly don't remember anything. I, I remember being next to the guy. Yeah. I don't remember this process. Yeah. Uh, then we had to get Dave from that fucking place all the way around. Now, people are eating dinner for this. Fez calls me the next morning. What song did you believe that he sang, Fez? I thought he sang Let It Be. Why Fez would think that goes to show how drunk Fez is. <laughs> Do you remember the song that he sang? I remember some of the lyrics, but I don't remember the song. Well, what, what were the lyrics? Some it, of the... You, you sang Little Runaway. Oh, now. <laughs> Not a Beatles song. Not a Beatles song Bill at all. Shannon. Yeah. So you're doing that. The old standard. <laughs> now. It's either that or Sam Cooke. Yeah. 
this is uh, this is a fucking gimmick. So you start to fucking hear it. You know, he's playing it. I am watching through one eye, kind of cringing down. Dave starts, and if you've ever heard Dave sing along with anything, you know how poorly Dave remembers uh, lyrics. But give me a little, little, little Runaway. By Del Shannon. By Del Shannon. It's a fucking classic song, and everybody should know it, Hicks. So, and, you know, the guy doesn't necessarily know it. And we're probably, there's like uh, 70, 80, 100 people yeah. packed in a place that would seat Huge. 30 comfortably. Right. So this starts, and Dave is just like, I drink along, I'm drinking, and having fun, I'm drinking, oh, no. and fucking around. <laughs> so now, <laughs> now he drops the F-bomb. <laughs> In a place, and I'm not talking karaoke night. It is a restaurant with people eating. There were there was an entire table of like 13 year old kids. Yeah, immediately in front of him, right. looking at dick, him, dick level. And he's like, "Fuck it all and have some fun. Wishing you would suck my dick. Fuck around and having fun." So the place is either mortified. Or laughing, and Dave has the drunk eyes locked on nothing look going on. I am laughing, Fez, like I, and I'm not even making this up. I was in now the white room laughing, where I'm laughing so hard that it fucking hurt, and everyone at our table was grabbing each other, and I couldn't even get to Dave because you had to sneak in and out of this place right. to to fucking help him oh, to get up shit. there. And then, and it actually, the laughter had this. The best thing was it was like parenthood where he's just seeing like a, like it feels like the train is crashing, but he's seeing other people laugh. By the way, we, we are celebrating Sammy's 90th birthday. Everybody in the room has clapped for Sammy. And Dave is, I'll suck my cock. Better that you suck my cock. At, at one point, Dave just yells, we're going to hip hop this shit. Which made the kids clap, and then he just starts going like this. Fuck, fuck, fucking fuck, 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 fucking fuck. It was pure insanity. And I laughed so hard, I actually felt my spine cracking. My spine was giving out. They get him off stage. I run up, I throw a 20 in to Donnie. Love's like, thank you, Donnie. Just act like, forget all this. $20 takes away the embarrassment. Forget about that. And we get Dave back. He's like, I got to get back up there because these people, and he's serious as shit. They don't fucking get me. He goes, Ronnie, I'm looking at. At fucking faces that weren't even into my shit. They weren't singing along. They weren't doing anything. And I go, fuck them. You don't need them, dude. You fucking killed. And, you, and I go, and he goes, I'm going to go back up. I go, what with Dylan? Dylan comes in, does one, walks yeah. out. It's a legend. And then you'd be like, yeah, you're right. You're right. And then we get up and just start to walk. And fucking Pepper Hicks just kept putting a big net on him and pulling him back. We lit this place up so bad. That we got into this big fucking Jewish dance, I don't even know the name of it, where we danced around the whole goddamn... I think I remember that, believe Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah.
Tam tam tam. Fantastic. Hey, we're kicking our feet like crazy Russian Jews. We're going batshit dancing with strangers. It was yeah. the best fucking time ever. I don't. I never knew the yeah. Jews could kick it out this way. Yeah. They're almost Irish. Right. They are. They are. They they love up tempo like shit. Their music is the horror. The horror we were dancing. Uh, it was fucking so funny. At one point, Mikey Boy was going to take the video of you, right? And I'm like, classic ever. And his fucking phone wouldn't work. Ah. And it's almost like better because you could never imagine just how fucking funny <laughs> and sick and twisted that it was. It's like fucking a Jim Morrison Miami Oh, you down. are. You are. The whole I, thing. I don't even know where that would come <laughs> from. <laughs> it, went Jewish, it went Jewish doors. <laughs> what the hell? You really had it in your mind that you were a singer and that the audience didn't fucking get you. I, that's got to be something like the Irish blood, but like when I drink, I truly believe like I am a great singer and people need to hear me. Well, <laughs> we... We kind of fucking rolled out of there fairly early because we started like, you know, quarter after six. Yes. But beers, tons of food. And I don't know whether you guys felt a little gassy from that later, mm -hmm. but they have fucking Alka-Seltzer to grab yeah. as you're getting off. And that, I'm always like laughing at the Al Alka-Seltzer. Later that night, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm doing bromo like a 90-year-old Jew. <laughs> oh, that was good. Oh, I needed that. Because I actually thought to myself, can you die from gas? <laughs> it was so fucking... And the, uh, So we start to head up the road, right? And Dave is... Uh, yeah. hitting parked cars and buildings walking, oh, no. just going yeah. back and forth. So, they're like, we've got to get Dave to the bus station. I'm saying, okay, well, I'll see you guys later. We're heading uptown. I smoked for a little bit, walked up about two blocks, jumped into a cab. I'm coming back on the cab. As we're making the left, because we're going to go... I caught a cab kind of heading downtown, and then we had the U-turn and head uptown. As we're coming down across Houston, I look over, <laughs> I see Mikey Boy with both hands holding on to Dave, who's trying to run into traffic. Like, ah! <laughs> That's... The girls are going, oh my God, Dave's going to get hit by a car, we got to go back. I'm like, we ain't going back. <laughs> I, they're going, he's going to be hit by a car. I, go, I say, if he gets hit by a car, he gets hit by a fucking car. <laughs> All right, that was the story. I can never retell that properly, but that is uh, the Davy Mac. And, of course, you know him as the Davy Mac Sports Program now. And also, um, special delivery. It's hard to believe we lost Dave last August. It's been a year without Dave. August, never a good time for the Ron and Fez show. Uh, Fez is going to be heading down now. Uh, Mark Zito uh, says he wants to come with you and do audio, Fez. Oh, okay. Audio of the uh, Molly's opening, Molly's Cupcakes. I'll be there dressed as a giant cupcake starting at 2 o'clock. Yeah, and the place isn't really open. This runs from like 2 to 10 today. It's not really open to the general public, but if you're a listener and you want to come by, um, they would like to play store with you and the chance to do that soft opening so they can say, wait a minute, I guess we do run out of tape in the credit card machine or whatever businesses worry about.
And let's face it, they do worry in this world. Let's worry about, like, flour or whatever, and, like, ovens. Uh, coming up in about an hour, uh, we're going to kick off the Unmasked Weekend, this time with Sandra Bernhard, uh, and she was really fun and great on the show. Um, these things are mopping along. By the way, we told you, coming up the next time we're looking for a live audience, Pendulette, Pendulette, and I uh, just picked up his new book, God No, and uh, he's laying some people out right away in the really? opening pages. <laughs> Just taking some people down. Love Pendulette. Pendulette uh, has a silent partner. I don't know how he's done it all these years. His partner doesn't speak at all. Uh, but they are partners, and it's made Penn, I believe, outspoken. I think Penn's at the point where you say, you, sir, are outspoken. Oh, very much so. Mm. He's got to get that opinion out there. He must. He must be able to. Um... Hi, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, how's it going? Good. I just wanted to say uh, uh, David Mack's sports program is awesome, and uh, everybody should check it out because it's one of the best uh, sports shows around. It really is. Um, it's actually better than anything I've, I've heard on Terrestrial. He's invited me to come in. He, actually, I think, was it this week he wanted me to come in, Pep, but I had all yeah. the... Yeah, we had a lot of the stuff going on, well, we had a lot of interviews this week, and uh, also the uh, Molly's opening. I wasn't able to pull it off, but I will do that one day. But you guys don't record that in here. You go over in the Times Square, huh? It's Skinny Man Studios, right next to the Hard Rock. They are kind enough to let us use there. All right, this guy wrote to me and said Dave left in May. I thought he left in August. I thought, yeah, I thought it was like before Labor Day. I think it was the end of May because it was four months before they ever tried to get us any help or here. And I remember, yeah, it was around maybe late, late September or something. They're disastrous with that. Hanks, did you ever send out that beautiful picture of you to... Uh... It's going out today? Yeah. It, uh, I got the address sent to you. And what did you night. sign it? Dear Nikki Cox? Dear, near Nikki. Yeah. Stay hydrated, Chris Stanley. Or maybe Pepper Hicks. Yeah, cause she likes the name Pepper Hicks, right. I think. Pepper Hicks. It's Would you put love Pepper Hicks? I'll just put the Pepper Hicks, dash Pepper Hicks. You don't like to put love, huh? Salutations. You, you think it would make Jay more mad? I, I don't, I don't want to do anything inappropriate. Well, I'm ve Now, you got the address from Jay? Uh, I, I got an address from someone on ONA staff. They, they had an address for him. They, uh, Jay's very happy about this. But he kind of got up to when I said where you're sending it. He goes, yeah, but I sent you that lobster before. And then I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh, he's one of those guys. He doesn't want to owe anything. He wants to feel like, hey, we're on a completely even level. You know? Even Steven. Nobody owes anybody. This is all perfect. Um, here's uh, Dave. Dave, Charlotte, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Uh, actually, if memory serves, there's a uh, speaking part by Teller on the episode of Miami Vice, the prodigal son, he plays an attorney. Um, I'd love to see that. Uh, Fez, would you ever consider doing um, Miami Vice? I'd love to hear you on there. Uh, coming up today, Paul o wants to talk to us about Planet of the Apes. I don't think I'm giving away too much when I say Paul o calls this the, the summer's best movie. What? 
Now, I was skipping this one completely. Yeah, I didn't, not very, since very interested in this Now, thing. who stars in this movie? That's a James Franco. He's a big star. Here's the thing. James Franco is being chased by these apes. He gets caught between two rocks and has to take a fucking butter knife and cut his own arm off. Jesus Christ. Uh, what time are we talking to, to Paulo? About ten minutes. Why does he need? Why does he need ten? What is the whole thing about Paul that he needs ten? He always seems to not be able to get in there before one, like one o'clock and after. Is I think he's like sleeping most of the time, and one o'clock is always when he wakes up. Well, he used to work overnight watching children. Oh yeah, and it was a very scary, sleazy job for him <laughs> to be involved in. It was like fucking reform school kids, and while they slept. He sat there all night. Oh, and just watched them? Yeah. Uh, Daniel on the Run Fest show. Hey. Uh, you know, I went on South Penitella out in Vegas. Actually, my truck got broken into in the parking ramp, too. That kind of sucked. But uh, we'll meet and greet afterwards. Those guys are very personable, and uh, tell her we'll talk your ear off, man. That's fucking cool. great. Huh? I love the fact that he doesn't try to keep the gimmick going like that. <laughs> Yeah, um, he's got a nice, deep, baritone voice, too. So you, you, you don't expect it from him at all. That is really fucking funny. Uh, let's go over here to uh, Rocky in Long Island. You're in front of Fez. What's up, Ronnie? What's up, Fez? Um, yeah, I saw Final of the Apes at midnight last night, and it was actually really good, Ron. I mean, it was definitely worth checking out. The uh, story the storyline was pretty decent, and then the uh, monkeys going crazy wasn't the whole movie, so... Now, do you think this stuff. will lead to more Planet of the Apes? Oh, definitely. They left it open for one. All right. I can't wait till they get to Beneath the Planet of the Apes. That's the one I'm going to. Hell yeah. That was a good one. Uh, Paul, Boston, you're on Fez. Hey, buddies. Hey, uh, there's an episode of uh, Nova on PBS that had Teller talking, but their condition was that they could not show for Teller's condition was that he they could not show his lips moving. Very weird. I, I don't even want to see this. I don't even want to hear his voice. <laughs> um, but, you know, I saw those guys in, like, oh, man, like the mid-'80s. And I think it was, like, when their show first broke here in New York. And they would do this bit where Teller would be behind something and yell stuff out. And it was really <laughs> fucking funny because at that point you didn't know why he didn't talk or whatever. So something would come up and he would just be like, yeah, blah, blah, you know, there'll be some guy yelling from the back. <laughs> but he'd have something up in front of him. It was fucking funny as shit. That's awesome. They're the, they really are the shit. I want to see this thing that you're telling me about this show in England. Yeah, it's called Foolish. You'll have it on Monday. I, I, I download all the episodes and burn them to disc. Yeah, we're, we're, local musicians come and try to fool them. They'll do their tricks for them. They'll do their act. And then Penn Teller needs to have to... And you'll see Teller talking to Penn, like, like off stage, like trying to describe exactly what the hell they're doing. And then they'll fucking bust each and every one of them. I wonder, you know, I wonder, like, who, which one of them... Is more the magician too. I mean, or whether it really matters that much. Well, I think Teller. Uh, Penn always says Teller has like a gigantic magic library, and he's more of the sleight of hand guy, and that uh, he's like the brain. He'll always say he's the brains behind the operation or whatever. But I think uh, Teller's more the historian. Um, like a Ricky J type person. Like I don't know whether you know this, but I just heard this from somebody. Now Ricky J is a guy that I. I'm fucking... I just think he's fantastic. He is the shit. I heard this might make you feel good. Doing a documentary on him. Oh, my God. 
That was supposed to be, could be the most interesting thing ever. I don't know what it is about that guy. He fucking fascinates me. And I'm not a big magic guy. And yet, when he starts to get down into it, I'm like fucking fascinated. Well, he's the old school just card tricks, just sleight of hand card tricks. That's the that's the fucking best shit. Yeah, close up magic is by far the best, and I don't know why. Like as soon as people start to do those giant uh, magic tricks, I don't know why it turns me off. Well, the Copperfield stuff, like, and and even on the show, it bores me to death. Even on the show, when anyone has like a big rig, like a big contraption, it's. You're buying that, and you're reading instructions. I feel like on how, and, and then that's what you're doing. Whereas a hand fucking trick or a card trick, you're cheers, the sleight of hand stuff that you're trying right. to pull off. Your butt, you're just drilling it into yourself. Uh, hey Jeff, you're on Run Fez. Hey buddies, love the show. Hey, I got to see uh, Midnight Showing of Planet of the Apes last night. I was just impressed. They seamlessly fit in uh, footage of the L.A. riots, and it just went off superb. It was really nice. Wow, this is really fucking makes me feel like I need to see this now. I this was would have been the bottom of my list. Yeah, and Cowboys and Aliens is at the top of my list, and then I got totally turned off by that by Jermaine Lassier. Um, here's uh, Chad. Chad, you're on the Run Fest show. Let's try again. Go ahead, Chad. Hey, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson just got picked up. Uh, to host 13 episodes of The Cosmos, uh, Fox Primetime. All right. That's fucking cool as shit. Yeah, so, yeah, totally. uh, we were actually talking to him. I think we were talking about that, right? Yeah. But, um, he's terrific. He is, he's a guy that can break science down for regular fucking people. Oh, he's the best. He's fucking huge on the internet. The internet fucking has a giant heart on for him because he's great. He's fucking really brilliant he's actually one of my favorite guys i've ever heard talk about science oh without a doubt he's much more personable than mr michio kaku not to throw down not to kaku is kind of in his own kind of wacky world yeah. you know like um but tyson is like kind of like a regular guy oh yeah and then he knows everything there is to know about science and he stole that analogy from you which well he said can i have it and i said go ahead and take mm -hmm. it two best things america's ever done he hasn't done it in public yet, has he? Not that I've seen. I said the two best things America's ever done, NASA and Motown. How you like that shit, Neil deGrasse Tyson? He loved it. He was like, dude. <laughs> dude, I'm going to fuck so many science guys up with this. Now, he didn't say that, but he was really cool. You got very quiet over there, Fez. What happened to you? Cupcake thinking? Yeah. You I, moving I, ahead? Yeah, that's... Stay I'm, in the moment. That's what Stay I... Stay in the fucking moment, dude. In this moment, what could possibly go wrong? You dressed as a cupcake. There shouldn't be anything. It's going to be a great time. Do you want to not do this? No, I want to. I want to be the cupcake. But now you can't talk about anything but the cupcakes. Now, yeah, now it's like cupcake. I'm already there. I'm already at Molly's in my head, like an hour early. You want to leave now? No, no, no. I have plenty of time. I know, but you're no good to me here. You're just sitting and you're thinking about cupcakes. All these other. Fucking conversations are taking place. You're not involved in them. Let's go into your head. What do you want to talk about? Let's take you out of your fucking head. I'm putting you here. Well, there was uh, the creator of the show Scrubs got very... Yahoo! Yes. 
got um, uh, very upset with a magazine critic who gave a bad review to Zach Braff, who, of course, starred on Scrubs, gave a bad review to his new play. And he's saying that the guy shouldn't have been reviewing the play anyway because he's very open about his hate about Zach right Braff. Uh, we got a break, Fuzzy, to keep up with everything we're doing, but I'm going to have you pick this up. When we come back, I'll let you finish it. Zach Braff, you say, got a bad review, and people are upset about it. Uh, we'll break back with the critic as Fez explains the story to us. It's the Ron and Fez show. Ron Bennington. Fez Watley. Ron and Fez. On the virus. Oh, oh, you're all alone. Man, you're stone. That's Miss Sandra Bernhardt. That's going to start up in uh, about a half an hour, Hicks. Right around there, yeah. Um, so the first responders, make sure you're ready. Um, it is the Ron and Fez show. Fez, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We're trying to keep up to date here. But what exactly were you saying in your story? Oh, that the creator of Scrubs, starring Zach Braff, got very upset with a magazine reviewer who gave a bad review to Zach Braff's new off-Broadway play. Right. Because he says, the guy, the reviewer, hates Zach Braff, never has liked him, 
So really had no business reviewing the play in the first place. Why not? That he should recuse himself basically like a judge who has a conflict of interest. What is his conflict of interest? That he's not going to like anything that Zach Braff does anyway. No, he hasn't liked anything that Zach Braff has done yet. That doesn't make a lot of fucking sense to me, his argument. That would be like, all right, if you were a movie reviewer and you didn't like the first Harry Potter, it means you can't be a critic on the second and the third and the fourth one? Or, hey, this guy doesn't like fucking Burt Reynolds movies, so now he's never allowed to review Burt Reynolds movies. It's about the stupidest argument I've ever heard in my life. It's fucking far from makes sense. Yeah, he said, he goes, the reviewer even put it in the first line of his review that he's never liked Zach Braff. Right, that's, that's criticism, though. You know what I mean? Uh, by the same way of saying, if someone tends to be a big Robin Williams guy, that means they can't fucking review Robin Williams movies? Doesn't make any sense. And somehow we just need people who don't feel anything in their criticism? This is about the dumbest argument I've ever heard in my life. Well, I at least like the qualifier that the guy put in. I've never liked Zach Braff. I don't think he needs to make it as a qualifier. Then you at least know where he's coming from. You would know where he's coming from if you followed that critic. If not, there's no reason to listen to the guy anyway. I mean, how many critics... The number of critics that I would actually pay attention to... Now, let's go back to the me not going to see Cowboys and Aliens... Because what Jermaine Lassier said. My qualifier is, I know he likes summer movies. And if he doesn't like this one, I'm sure as hell not going to like it. Now, if he said, oh, I saw some fucking German film that I didn't like, I'd be like, ah, uh, you know, that's not really in his wheelhouse, so I'll go to it. But I don't think that he should have to pull himself out. You know, let's just use Jermaine Lassier. Uh-huh. He's allowed to fucking review any movie he wants. Anytime he wants, whether he happens to be a fan of the genre or not a fan. And it's up to me as a reader to figure out what I, sh uh, I should do with his opinion. But let's say Jermaine Lassier hated every Harrison Ford movie, hated Harrison Ford, and you knew that up front. Wouldn't you have taken that more with a grain of salt? No, I wouldn't take it with a grain of salt, but I would say this tells me something. But uh, what is he supposed to like some Harrison Ford movies? If he thinks Harrison Ford's a bad actor, that somehow invalidates his criticism. His criticism could be he's still a bad actor. I got no problem with that. I mean, to me, it seems crazy that a non that a bad review is somehow worse than a good review. It's just one person's opinion. You could take it one way or another. Um, let me go over to a reviewer. Who's done this for many, many years? Polo. Paul, do you. From the legendary Warner Fest Studios in a predominantly white neighborhood, Warner Fest presents Showtime with the Polo. Polo, did you hear this argument? Yes, I did. Polo, you like the movie. I did hear the argument. So, uh, the argument is this if you've seen, and let's face it, Zach Braff has only had a television show. And a couple of movies. We're not looking at, you know, Tom Hanks here. Right. If somebody doesn't like the first four fucking things that a person's done, or ten, then they should recuse themselves and not review anything they do again. Well, I'll use two other examples. Adam Sandler and John Travolta, for instance. Right. 
they both annoy me a lot. Yet they both have given incredibly good performances at times. So I, I, I will give them good reviews based on their performances, despite the fact that I do have a, a, a hesitancy to even seeing them in a movie at this point. And it's not a personal thing that you have, you're hesitant. You don't just certainly compare, you don't actually care for their type of, of work. Well, but I'm saying they both have a varied enough career and a varied enough, you know, resume that, that sometimes they just hit it out of the park. And it's usually with things that you don't expect from them. You know, so I mean, Zach, Zach Braff, I think, is a very intelligent, intelligent uh, smart guy. I mean, he made a great movie as a director, and, and I, I think he, he can do some greater work, but I don't think he's got a high enough profile to really get the opportunities to do some of the work that would really make him outstanding. I mean, I think he's a good actor. He's a funny guy. I think he's funny. And he's still pretty much at the, you know, early part of this thing, but I'm just um, uh, amazed that this would even come up. I'm amazed that it would even be debated. It's well, insane so. to me. I think, in general, critics are assholes. We can get well, that's a given. I think they generally are assholes. And I, you wouldn't even believe the scene I saw at a screening the other night. And I'm used to that. I'm used to being with critics, and I and they kind of got asshole behavior. That they kind of think their shit don't stink. And I mean, so I, I wouldn't put it past the critic to to blackball somebody in their mind. Uh, honestly, and that's that's a shame. Well, no, but then that would be your job as a person who reads reviews to know the guy and and who they happen to be. There's no way that I would that that I'm going to take the criticism of somebody that I I had no respect for. There's some guys out there that I think of as assholes, but there's more people out there who I just think feel like they need to jump on any bandwagon. I think it's more of a problem because somebody got flown out to, you know, L.A. or to the set that they're going to love shit more than you're going to have people who are going to fucking hate stuff. And, 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 and there's nothing more exciting or interesting than seeing somebody you don't like give a really good performance. And then you just, you, the joy that you feel just saying, oh, my God, he finally did it. You know, I mean... I would love, I love that experience when you can say that. You know who I was at? The guy who played Lurch. I never liked anything he did, and then I saw him as Lurch. I'm like, this, that fucking Urang line? Well, here's an example of a critic. I had no plans on seeing this Planet of the Apes, this Rise of the Apes. Mm -hmm. I didn't even like the trailer. And then Paul O writes to me and said, best movie of the summer. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm up for this now. Right, exactly, and that's kind of my attitude, too. Going into it, I'm saying, God, this is the, the dog days of August, you know, when the war, they put out the war. It's a franchise that couldn't be deader. I mean, you know, Tim Burton comes back and puts the final nails in the coffin of this ridiculous, stupid idea of, you know, franchise, which we admittedly started out. It was an interesting satire back when the Charlton Heston movie came out. It was fun, but it was always stupid. I mean, those stupid ape, ape masks and everything else. Right. Just got stupider and stupider. No, I think, and there were so many questions that never got answered. And so I go into this movie, and you know, by the end of this movie, I, I am literally dying to see the next movie as soon as it. So you it's think it's better than all the classic Planet of the Apes? I think it, it's definitely different. I mean, I'm not going to really disparage them that much because they were kind of pungent satires for the time on racism and whatever. But I'm just saying that this is totally different, and it delivers and it's, it's satisfying it's exhilarating it's intelligent 
I'm not going to overpraise it, saying it's like the greatest thing, but it's for a summer movie. You know, I haven't been bold over how, my All right, here's the thing. Am I going to feel claustrophobic and how long before James Franco cuts off his arm? <laughs> I'm not going to go into the whole James Franco thing because, I mean, he's just a, a part of the movie. He, he is the so-called anchor of the movie, and he does his part. I, I, he doesn't cut off his, his arm in this movie, though. Don't fucking ruin it for me, Paul. I understand, and uh, you know John Lithgow, my twin brother, does a, a great little thing, and this, and it, and it, it, it ties into uh, again. Th then there's a whole other. It, there might be people out there who actually care about. Planet of the Apes movies, and I can't say that I do. So I'm not quite sure. If I understand, you know, because with some of the secondary Planet of the Apes movies, they went back in time, and then they visited modern-day America. And yeah, I mean, after the first one, they got really ridiculous. The first one, I wouldn't say was a great movie, but they tried to play it straight. Right, right. And, and you know, it had one of those great Charlton Heston moments at the end, you know, where, you know... Soylent Green are people! Well, that's people. not what he yelled. He yelled, you ruined it, or Diff whatever, you fucking... movie. Um... At what point does Roddy McDowell come out in this, and he's does the place the, go crazy? Is he still alive? I no. Alive. He's um, been dead for like 13, 14 years. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, I don't know what it was from, though, but I, I hate, I, I, I'm scared to even think about it. Um, the whole point is that this movie does give a very reasonable, rational explanation how the Planet of the Apes could have indeed have happened. Um and because, as I say, in the previous movies that, was, that took place in the 70s, it was all about going back in time, and then, you know, it was ridiculous. This is uh, logical, and it deals with uh, intelligence, and, and the characterizations of, for instance, Caesar, the main ape, uh, by Andy Serkis, who did Gollum and Lord of the Rings and everything else. And it's, it, it's truly an Oscar. And I mean, frankly, so it was Gollum, for that matter. But, you know, digital capture, I guess, doesn't get respect from the Oscars. Mm, I don't know. So, All right, uh, anything yeah, else so, out that you like, Paul? Uh, well, you know, Change Up is out this week, which is a hard R, typical. But, uh, yeah, that is the problem. I mean, mostly this summer, there have been things. Where do thousands and thousands and thousands of these apes come from? How do it's they not real, that? Paul. Hold it's on. not a real movie. Hold on. Like, so it's not a documentary. Here, and you have to make it a little realistic in the fact that these apes are taken over but if we outnumber them by millions we can just gun them down so for you it would be planet of the dogs planet of the rats planet of the dogs planet of the cockroaches i just don't see i see the i see the trailer i see all the apes flying off jumping up millions of them where do they come from where they come from paul all right first of all just for this one time blowout i'm gonna break a rule and reveal something that oh, spoiler. you mean you actually watched spy the whole movie um, yeah. Okay, it's not thousands and thousands and thousands like you like you said. It's 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 a it's a, like a few hundred and um, and they can take over the, the United States. Okay, the con the story is complicated, but there is a testing lab that has chimps. There's a animal shelter, and then there are zoos. So bullshit, Paul. Every city might have maybe one monkey house. So if you look at the population, just one branch of our military could level them. How do they even get get out of the monkey house without getting gunned down, blown up, 
put on fire with napalm. This movie sounds ridiculous. Okay, I cannot have an in-depth conversation on this subject without revealing far too much about the movie. Oh, are they cloning them? I'm not going to say. Are they cloning Sounds like they're cloning. I've said too much. It's cloning. I'm trying to... It's cloning, right? No! They're doing cloning. They're doing cloning. Thanks for telling us. All right, Blowhard, thanks, buddy. Have a good week. Paul, I wish you wouldn't have given away the cloning thing. Yeah, really. Here's Todd Cleveland. You're on Fez. Hey, hey, buddy, what's up? None of your business, Todd. All righty. Uh, Warner Brothers released the uh, first still picture of the new Superman. I just want to know if, uh, if Paulo and Fez saw it yet. Uh, no, it, it, the movie isn't out. I've seen the film. I've seen the still, and and he's also going to be in the Immortals later this year. Uh, Henry Cavill. It looks like every other Superman I've ever seen. Yeah, we've seen a lot of Supermans. Yeah. They're all there. Superman, we've seen a lot of Batman. We've seen it all, Paulo. Yeah. Now crying. I mean, now the crying Spider Man's coming in. You'll be excited about that. Yeah. I could have used the old web head when I was a child. <laughs> Fucking pussy. What the fuck I was he it. doing? Uh, blow fish. I'm running fez. Monkey house. All right. See now you're giving it away, Paulo. Yeah. I mean, what I'm trying to say is, is that there are places in the country that have uh, what they call clearing houses for, um, you know, unwanted animals, like unwanted lions, unwanted chimps, unwanted boa constrictors, things like that. I mean, I'm saying that that's part of that takes that's a part of this uh, particular uh, plot. Who doesn't want a lion? Oh, I have a, we have a lion thing. There's a lion thing in, in Does California. Does the lion sleep tonight in the jungle, the mighty jungle? People have lions in their houses. Uh, Mark, you're on Fez. We had two ourselves, Edgar Winter and uh, Johnny Winter. People keep asking me, where's your brother? What is it, Mark? Hey, uh, I heard a while back that Paulo lived in, um, lived in Lakeland, Florida. Is that true? There is some truth to that. I was wondering, I live in Lake. you want to go watch a movie sometime? Sure. Absolutely. Just hook me up, guys. I'll definitely go out with this guy. No problem. Yeah, I mean, actually, I, I have a lot of friends down here that are good friends of, that, you know, part of the Ron Fest community. I do go. I mean, I've been seeing Don Stugatz and uh, Benadell quite a bit lately. They got a lot of experience with me. You hang out with Don Stugatz? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, Mark, you're in. All right, should I put him on hold and give me your home number, Paul? Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, what uh, do you want to give out your number or your email? No, I'm not giving my email. No, 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 no. Well, what about the Paul Lowe? Yeah, you can do that. I guess you can give it to some people. Okay, here's what I'm going to be doing lately too. Incidentally, I'm going to do a, something pretty. YouTube in the near future because nothing about me that's on YouTube up to me is, is anything I'm directly responsible for. I will be doing something that um, I will be responsible for in the, in the near future. Um, let's go over here to Andrew. Andrew, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie B. Did I hear correctly, or does Blowhard want more realism in a movie about talking apes? Are these apes talking, Paul? I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, it, in my opinion, I think the movie handles the development of the intelligence of the apes, which is obviously a critical issue to the Planet of the Apes movies. I think it's handled beautifully. And, but what uh, about this? What about when they find the human doll that says "Mama"? Yeah, Mama. I, and, and, Does that fucking and, freak everybody out? out? Yeah. Go and say I fucking told you we were talkers too. 
And uh, I think it, 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 it's a, a gradual progression that uh, makes perfect sense. And, uh, and there are some quibbling as far as to some of the, the uh, chemicals that are used. Fez, from what I understand, they're lining up for you at Molly's right now as we speak. I can't wait to uh, get down there as a human cupcake. The corporate mascot. Mm. You are so delicious. Uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes, uh, it's going to be Unmasked with Sandra Bernhard. She's one of your favorite actresses, too, right, Polo? Uh, yeah, do we thanks. have her thing up for the first responders who would like to tweet for her before, you know, as this thing is going on? Yeah, we're going to get that up. Um, here's uh, John. John, you're on my face. Hey, guys. Hey, Paul. Yeah. I wanted to ask you uh, about the Planet 8 movie, since you're giving everything away already. Uh, do the monkey houses rock the fat ass? All right, hold on for a second. Let's play the... Oh, you got something to do? Yeah, I was just got... Um, I didn't say coming. Um, sorry about that. No problem. Uh, give us a call right now, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. To wait to the last second is mind-blowing for me. Uh, there we go. Hi, who's this? This is Nate. Nate, good news. Nate, you're going to get a copy of Season 2 of Eastbound and Down, complete second season on DVD. That's the box set starring Danny McBride, of course, as Kenny Powers, as Kenny Powers takes his life and his career to Mexico. So you can own the hilarious and yet profane HBO series Eastbound and Down, the complete second season on DVD, Blu-ray, and digital download today. When Kenny Powers comes back, he comes back hard, must be at least 18 years old, and a listener or subscriber not open to residents of Alaska, Hawaii, or Canada. Now, Fez is heading down to Molly's, and uh, Nanami, the wonderful young intern, has written a new song about Molly's. Here's the problem. There's already been a big hit about Molly's that was written by Sleeves. So, let's see... Who's popping off right here? Let's first take a listen. The new uh, No Name Intern song is called what? The Molly Song. The Molly Song. Let's take a listen. And this is an original. If your stomach is growling Looking for something sweet to eat There's a place that I know of where you can stuff your face happily So come on down to Molly's Cupcake And have yourself a special treat Now rockin' in New York City On 6th Avenue and Bleecker Street They have all different types of flavors Or you can have the Ron Bennington Have yourself a cupcake for me and you 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 Nice job, No Name. Very young Paul Simon type of thing. Oh, yeah, definitely hearing that. Like the 59th Street Bridge song there. 
Love it. Um, all right, uh, Fez will be heading down there just a little bit. Uh, Paul, you going to stop by? Yeah, I'm going to take a flight up. You seem like you changed. You used to come up here and get married all the time, but you don't anymore. I, uh, I you had a shot at the last one. Did you ever... Um, uh, did you ever go to England and see your ex-wife? No, no, I didn't. I mean, there was some conversations that took place. Frankly, it sounds like everything just—it was a you know total fucked up. Everything just fell apart. I don't know. Did she I, ever I, love you, Paul? <laughs> yes. I, I don't know. I can't say. I mean, it seemed like it, um, but at, at the end, you know, there was a lot of things about love too. But I, I just said, well, you know, after the divorce, that kind of talk goes out the window as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Good point. Uh, Radio Shark, you had something to say about the Planet of the Apes movie? Yeah, I think the original concept of why there were so many apes around was because the dogs and cats died from disease. I mean, that worked for me. And Fez, when you're out there in the sweltering styrofoam costume, you just got to remember two words. Keep hydrated. <laughs> Keep hydrated. That's true, though. I mean, he's joking, and he's laughing at you, and you feel superior. But it is true. You should always keep hydrated. Does it have one of them sippy cups inside, like the little... Right, people are actually uh, asking, hey, what is that a parody of that the Molly song? It's an original. Both songs that were ri written, one by Sleeves, uh, another, of course, by No Name, both are original. Um, what we're going to do is, after we play The Unmasked, we're going to come back and... Um, should we even try that, Fez, or is it just set up too many problems? Is it better? Yeah. We probably ought to just take it to the limit. What do you think, Hicks? I'd like to hear from Fez. All right. He changes the other way. Now we're going to hear from Fez. All right, so after the Unmasked, uh, we will come back and uh, hear from Fez. Uh, the stuff will go up right now, too for Unmasked Show, for all the first responders, and we need you to be first uh, responders today, and let the beautiful and wonderful Sandra Bernhard know that you enjoyed having her on Unmasked. It helps out a lot when the first responders are on the scene. Um, Paulo, so your movie of the summer, you gave out to Rise of the Planet of the Apes. What was your worst movie of the summer? Well, I mean, let me put it to you this way. When I say it's a movie of summer, I'm, I'm obviously not talking about things like Terrence Malick and Woody Allen, which are not summer movies that somehow get thrown in the mix. All right, I got you. You're saying out of the, all the summer movies, this was the most enjoyable. That's a fair right. assessment. Right. And, and, I mean, it goes without saying that there's a lot of crap out there uh, right now. So, I, you know, and, that, and that's the big problem is that there's just not a good, enough good stuff. I mean, you could say The Smurfs is one of the worst movies of the summer. Cars 2 was pretty disappointing, you know. I mean, the biggest problem with Cars 2 is they had Larry the Cable Guy as the main character. And then when they try to translate it for all of the other countries, France doesn't have a corresponding character in its culture, as, you know, the redneck car. I never even thought of that. It's There's no way for them to understand what a redneck is. <laughs> I mean, you know, Japan... So it hasn't done that well around the world. Right, and it's very confusing for a lot of people, uh, you know, to see that movie, because they don't understand uh, American rednecks. And, uh, so that, and then, you know, but I mean... That was that was a movie that was made because of the merchandising. I, I heard they made like six billion dollars in merchandising on cars too. 
Okay, of course it was a no-brainer they had to do it again. All right, Fez Watley is hopping onto a train right now, uh, heading to Molly's. I understand there's people waiting for you already, Fez. Uh, get down there and have a lot of fun. We're going to go into the Unmasked starring Sandra Bernhard now. Uh, after that Unmasked, we'll stop in and check in with Fez in his cupcake suit. It should be, uh, well, it should be one of those memorable days. Make sure you take pictures of Fez and tweet it out there. And we appreciate people now starting, uh, I think, Sunday. Molly's is open full-time, but this is your chance today. Rob Cross wants you to take some audio equipment down there, Fez, and get some audio going. I don't know the audio effect of a guy in a cupcake suit. It seemed visual, but God damn it, Rob, when he wants something, let's give it to him. Our friends are already suspended. I don't want that. Oh, Jesus. I don't want to find myself into the suspension world. What is this, a suspension bridge? Um, Paul L? Yes, sir. You did a very good job today. Okay. You might have turned me on, uh, around on Planet of the Apes. I hope so. All right, I'll talk to you soon, pal. All right, thank you. Try to stay married this time. I will. I mean, fourth would really be ridiculous. Well, it is been, it's been, it's been ups and downs, but I'm doing the best I can. You already hate her? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> no. 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 Pez is right. Here no, we go. have a 19-year-old kid in the house and buying for tanks is a problem. You gotta love. You marry a whole family when you get older, Paul. I know. You don't just marry the one. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. I mean, try to see it from this way. Now his mom's banging a retard. Oh. That kid's got to feel fucking sick. All right. Uh, we're going to be heading over to Sandra Bernhard unmasked as Fez... Heads down to Molly's in Greenwich Village. Fez in Greenwich Village wearing a cupcake suit. This is something you definitely want to see. Be the first person on your block to get a Ron Bennington cupcake. Find out why it's so famous. It's a soft opening going on there. Um, but Fez will be arriving in just a matter of minutes. Now we're going into the Sandra Bernhardt unmasked. Do me a favor. Go over to 202 Friends. And be a first responder. Uh, if this gets up and you enjoy it, let Sandra Bernhard know you had a good time. It gets the word out there and gets more people willing to do Unmasked. The next Unmasked is going to be with Penn Gillette. So the show's sailing along and doing great. Uh, and it's a big appreciation to the first responders for that. It helps us do bookings all the time. All right, Fez, enjoy yourself. This is going to be a blast. Molly, 6th Avenue and Bleecker Street in the Village. Go see Fez Watley. Get yourself a Ron Bennington cupcake. And we will be talking to Fez after this Unmasked. After this Unmasked, we'll be on with Fez Watley. So make sure you stick around for the break after the Unmasked and be a first responder. Uh, enjoy this Unmasked with Sandra Bernhardt. The Virus. The Ron and Fez Show. Sandra Bernhardt in here with us. Let me turn off my high technology. <laughs> I still have a Samsung flip phone, for those of you who are <laughs> <laughs> on the cutting edge, as always. 
Well, this will mean uh, for one hour you can't Twitter. Is this the I hour? Twitter. I can't Twitter on that thing anyway. Oh, you can anyway. You're uh, on my Samsung flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's self-imposed, you know, break from all, um, you know, internet activity when I'm out in the world. You, uh, but when you're home, you tweet a lot. Yes, I do. I go. I save up my thoughts. Uh-huh. But you have, you have to have some thoughts first to actually have something to talk about. You know what I mean? As opposed to everybody just uh, mindlessly talking about... I, I can use language. Yeah, any show. language you I, want. Not that I'm just going to jump into that, you know, murky, nasty <laughs> pond of, you know, smut. But uh, it's just good to know. I was, uh, Of course I know that. Um, anyway, yeah, I just... You know, it's nice when you walk around, especially New York City. There's so much to draw from, as you right. know. And, you know, I'll have my little interior thoughts. It also keeps your mind active. So I think so much of, like, what's going on in the world, people don't think anymore. Right. They just automatically respond without connecting the two experiences. But I think what that used to be when people would save up those thoughts and take it and do stand-up, and now they just kind of give it away for free. Well, I don't, I don't give anything away for free that matters. <laughs> and I feel like also when you, some of the things I may tweet about are also much different when I'm actually performing them. Right. Considering they're only like you know, two or three lines and I can actually ex expand and expound on them. You know, I was uh, thinking about you and your career and I think that you're perhaps one of the few people who kind of still hangs on to something is hip or cool it's almost vanished now in what? in popular culture right it's almost like let's get away from anything that's cool well I, they always used to say at the improv when i first started off she's too hip for the room <laughs> 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 which which meant i got relegated to the 1 a.m slot well, yeah <laughs> in front of seven people that were semi-comatose right they were like, she works really well in front of black drug dealers or in the jazz. And I do. <laughs> and, <you do. laughs> and if you can work well in front of them, you can, you can kind of work well in front of anybody. Well, that know? used to be where kind of like hipness came from. Exactly. And then we've pushed that away and it's all about, I don't know, Transformers or comic book movies or whatever the fuck we do these I, days. I, I don't even know what I it don't, is. Sometimes I don't know either. I, yeah. I stay, in a, in a certain way, I stay incredibly disconnected. Mm -hmm. In other ways, I stay incredibly connected but I connect like I said more to my emotions and to humanity than I do whatever is you know barreling down the highway and you know it's just going to take the next exit and you're never going to see it again right but like even like think when you went into stand-up it was like Richard Pryor was the king and Carlin whatever so that kind of hip I'm coming from a different place was looked towards and now it's just the opposite you know. Well, you know, I mean, I grew up, I have three older brothers, so I grew up around, you know, exposed to all kinds of music, jazz and rock and roll. Right. And, you know, and I also, you know, we used to listen to like early Bill Cosby and, um, you know, all the, the great comedy albums mm -hmm. when I was, you know what I mean? So you were, I was just kind of weaned on Jonathan Winters. I mean, you would, yeah. sit, you would sit and actually listen to comedy albums. Right. And they were, everybody was like, oh my God, it's a new comedy album. Yeah, it was perfect. You know, you know? that just doesn't, it just doesn't happen like that anymore. Well, because the weird thing too is that was like the imagination play where you'd be a kid and you'd be like, what the hell is the hungry eye? And how do yes. these, how do these people even find this room <laughs> that is comedy? Right. You know, and then as soon as they put it on TV, and everybody had to have four or five minutes, that whole kind of dark underground scene disappeared. True, you know? true. And also there was like a real confluence of, you know, music and comedy. 
right. in the day. You know, it was like jazz and comedy were sort of like the Lenny, yeah. the Lenny Bruce era. Right, where two know? comedians would never work back to back. They had to be broken up by different musical acts. But I, but I think that's good. I well, that's that, what you do with your act. I do that within my own, thank yeah. you, within my own act, exactly. I'm glad you know what you're talking about. <laughs> sit here and relax and not have to over-explain everything. It's so, it's so refreshing. So that was the purpose behind that, was to kind of create that entire... Well, you know, it was, it was actually, it was a, it was a real uh, combination of things that I was exposed to when I was growing up. I was very into musical comedies when I was little, like Hello mm. Dolly and Funny Girl. And, and you know, I thought I was going to grow up to be a, a musical comedy star. And then when it, when it came time, it was just like, it kind of, for me, it became passe, the, mm -hmm. you know, the whole genre. And then I was very, you know, I was very into rock and roll. I was into, you know, um, a lot of, you know... Um, girl singers and and then I started just creating my own sort of you know one woman musical you know comedy review and then of course I draw elements of um, cabaret and and rock and roll and burlesque and and all the things that I grew up you know being influenced by and I just turned it into a big mashup of all those things and the kind of you know it was, and it was sort of also a postmodern operatic but when you first started to go on, and and in the comedy clubs where they didn't do that, right? Everybody must have thought you were nuts. Right they I thought I was completely insane. Yeah. But there was always a piano player. You know right. what I mean? So I would just hand them some sheet music and say, "When I say that, just play that." Right. You know, and they're like, "Huh?" And then they just. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the crowd had been hearing, you know, like this, you know, kind of um, besides the great headliners, just you know, the usual kind of crappy comedy. Then I'd get up and do my sort of weird like very mannered, you know, a sophisticated thing and mm -hmm. people would have to like adjust and switch gears and you know, it took people a long time to understand what I was doing in that realm. Right. So, you know, when, when I finally got the freedom to go somewhere else and get out of the comedy scene, that's when it really all came together for me. Because you didn't fit in the tight seven, ten minutes exactly. of joke after no, joke. No, I mean, by the time I got warmed up and was just doing my sort of like, you know, observational, cool, groovy, sexy thing, and you know, seven minutes have flown by and it was right. time to get off, and I, haven't, I hadn't even gotten going yet. See, that's another thing I think that, that you're saying, like bringing a sexy thing to the stage, which again is almost out of comedy at all, where, you know, the guy goes, I can't get laid, and my dick is small, and after a while you're like, what is the whole fucking point? And those point? are just the female <laughs> <laughs> what is the point of being a performer? You know, why are you playing yourself down? Well, I, there's just no sophistication. I mean, right. you know, I mean, I, <laughs> I always like, you know, I, I always put on something great, like a great designer dress. I don't care if I'm playing a smaller venue or in mm -hmm. you know, a town hall. I mean, you want to give people a show. You know, it's like a throwback right. to Vegas when Sammy and and Frank and Liza all got together and you know did their right. groovy thing. You you want to like. People come, they want to see something that uplifts them. They want to see something that takes them out of their day-to-day -day routine and their doldrums and exposes them to something that, you know, we all kind of long for. So, right off the bat, they uh, were the audiences getting you or the club owners getting you? Was anybody getting what, where you were you coming from? You know, there from? were some people that were starting to get me on the program. Yeah. I mean, I had two people that really were my, you know, my angels, and that was Paul Mooney. Talking about hip. Yeah, talking about hip, and Lotus Weinstock. Yeah. I don't know if you knew Lotus no. of the day. Lotus was a really brilliant comedian and songwriter. She unfortunately died way before her time. And they, the first night I ever got up to perform at a showcase club, um, the Ye Little Club in Beverly Hills, they were both there and they'd already heard about me and they just said, 
you you know you're hip, you're great. Your you know, Mooney said you're a cigarette come to life, Bernhard. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, really, without Paul Mooney, um, mm-hmm. I I don't think I would have survived in in the comedy scene because he would take me from club to club, and even when he you know people wouldn't put me on, he was like my my agent, my my best friend, my father, my brother, and you know we go on the road and do some crazy gigs together. And he also took me to. Um, you know, into the you know the, the the ghetto, and we do like a lot of the ghetto clubs together and stuff in L.A. Um, and you know, that's where I really cut my teeth. You were comfortable in that environment, right? Very away, much, so? I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the black audience always really you know got me. They thought I was crazy, and you know, I mean, I could be a light-skinned black person <laughs> <laughs> with my lips and everything. Everybody was always like, well, that's what's her, "Who is she? What is she?" <laughs> what's the whole yeah. story there? Uh, yeah, and then like, coming in the, the door with, with Mooney. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have come in the door without Mooney. That's right. for sure. You know. Um, so you know that that was an interesting time. So I, I really did have somebody, a champion there for me. You know, all, for many years, and he's still very close. Well, he's always been an amazing performer, and for the folks who don't know, he co-wrote everything, all the specials with, with Richard Pryor. And, and his and his you know, yeah. short-lived NBC. Um, the variety show. Variety show. Had that, you know, Mooney got uh, got all of us on that show. Yeah, he was kind of. Yeah, he was running um, everything. For yeah, Richard, he was the producer, you know, yeah. head writer, and you know, just all around keeping it all together when Pryor was imploding. And like everything that is vulnerable, and people, you know, about Richard, where people would go, "Oh, we want to help you." You're Mooney's just the opposite. There's so much confidence. Yeah. In his act, and so much confidence, in his persona that people are all almost you have to take a step back e- before you get into exactly what well, yeah. it's so different and, yeah and especially when you were just talking about everybody's so self-deprecating which right it's another really important element of of my early comedy i was like what what's with all these i mean i love phyllis diller and i love joan rivers and i love all those women because they were trailblazers and still very relevant and hip and fun but you know there was just this uh, you know I'm ugly, I'm skinny, I'm fat, I'm this, right. you know, and it was always like, I'm not going to go down that road. I mean, because I was like a product of the feminist era, and it was just about like accepting yourself as you were without, you know, doing too much alteration. And I just, you know, even even when I was fighting my own insecurities, I would never let that on to the audience. You know, there's, there's, there's a place to, there's a time and a place to be vulnerable, but... It's a never, never coming from a self-deprecating place. I agree too. And the weird thing is, like most people go, "Well, you don't talk down to the audience. You have to be equal to the audience." Jagger would never try to be equal to his audience. No. He's figured, "I'm bringing it. Exactly. Why would you want a, a person who's thought about these things as much as you to be the one who walks on stage?" Completely. I think a comedian should be like, "I've thought about this. Here's a funny angle on it," and you know. Yeah, and and like I said, you want to take your audience to a, to a, to another place that they yeah. haven't been to before. That's what all the great performers do, whether they're rock stars or comics or actors. It's like. You take people to a higher place. Well, your uh, new album that you have out is about one of those nights. It is. Actually, uh, this is called uh, I Love Being Me, Don't You. Uh, and this is, well, <laughs> this is actually closer to like pure stand-up than your one-woman shows, where right. it's a night of stand-up. Right. But uh, just one of those nights of uh, killing it. Yeah, just killing it. Thank you. Well, you know, it was funny because um, it, it was uh, I was sitting backstage at the uh, Castro Theater in San Francisco. It was like a, kind of a gay comedy festival. Mm-hmm. And there were like you know drag queens going on and you know all kinds of crazy people. And I was just sitting there and in a very meditative state, 
and you know I wasn't sure what what I really what I was going to do that night because I didn't want to just stick to my show. I only had my guitar player with me, and and I walked out and I was just like, I don't know, I was just inspired. And they happened to be professionally recording the night. And when I found out later, I was like, well, we should release this as an album because it was like I was definitely in, you know, in my zone. What do you got to do to get to that place? Is it about the audience or is it about... It's, well, it's definitely, I mean, uh, it's definitely ultimately about the audience because mm -hmm. if they're not with you and they're not going on the ride, I mean, you can, you know, I can go there, but, you know, at some point you're going to kind of just give in because it's, it's, too, it's too much work to fight a crowd that's not, you know, digging what you're doing. But this crowd was totally, without being, you know, without being too, like, you know, supplicant, you know, because also you get an audience that's too, like, you know, and then you're like, ugh, I hate you. I'm going <laughs> to abuse you. You like me too much, you know what I mean? But this was, like, the right balance, right. you know, of getting it and being kind of irreverent with me. And so I just went on my journey that night, and it was just, you know, it just all flowed. It is, uh, it is about that flow, too, isn't it? There's something... I mean, if you sit down and you try to explain why you have the good nights or why the bad nights, I'm sure there's some kind of chemistry to it. There is. But who it's, al knows? it's alchemy. Yeah. You know, it's magic. Yeah. It really is. Live performing is, it comes from a very, you know, high, plugged-in, spiritual place. But see, the other thing that I've always... Uh, Doug about you is like you're not at that place all the time that there'll be lows in your show sometime there'll be quiet spots and you've always been pretty cool with that well I think I mean I think you got to be willing to you know to step back I mean I, unless you're just like I'm running on adrenaline or right. a lot of you know cocaine or something <laughs> which you know is not my scene mm. um, I do have a lot of adrenaline naturally but you know I think I think also like going back to the idea of doing a more theatrical show, like you know, a comedy, a, mu a musical comedy, there are there are highs and lows to every play and every every theatrical experience. So, if you can take that moment and just be introspective and sit and think for a minute on and really be in the moment, but thinking, it's going to really draw people in and also like you know take them ooh, up down all over the place. Right. It goes back to the whole idea of really taking them somewhere. Was it being in the Scorsese movie that got you? An audience nationally was yes. that more than anything else? Yes, th that yeah. and then you know the the subsequent um, you know Letterman uh, appearances, right. which kind of you know all dovetailed after the King of Comedy. Right. So once you got that King of Comedy, things opened up, and that's what got you on that role. Right. Exactly. Um, was that apparent to you at the time? Did you say to yourself? This movie, once it comes out, things are going to change for me. Oh or? yeah, no, no, everybody, yeah. everybody knew that because it was just one of those, you know, seminal films that still has so much relevance today. I mean, it was like so prescient, you know, just yeah. pre predicting like the whole world of fame and and instant, you know, gratification and and people just doing anything to to you know to be famous. It really is funny looking back on it. It's more about today than even that time. Well, that, I mean, that's why the film was not, in, in, in its time, was not a big commercial success. Right. Because people just didn't really understand what, you know, we, we were just at the brink of that with People magazine and, mm -hmm. you know, there weren't, the, there weren't all these, you know, um, reality shows and all these outlets for, for, for all these people who just want to, like, get out there and would be willing to do anything to be famous. And now, like Rupert, it does work. It does if you're on some housewife show and you hit somebody or something, 
these people end up with the cover of People magazine now. Well, yeah, and also, uh, you know, an ability to make some money, some quick mm -hmm. money. I, I mean, ultimately, ultimately, do I know what it all means? Does, does anybody? I, I, because when you start, when you look at all the great actors and the people who've worked so hard to get where they are, and then you juxtapose them against these people who just like are on these like insane shows, it's like it's very, it's a very weird sort of, you know, collision culturally. Right. And I don't. I, I still don't know what it, where it's all going to land or, or you know, how it's going to play out. It's kind of interesting that the celebrities have also turned it around and start going, all right, now come into my house and I'll be the reality show too. Right, there is that. But th yeah. those are usually people that have kind of, you know, I, I think played out their, um, their creative side and, and don't really want to have to do it You don't again. think Sean Penn or Brad Pitt is going to suddenly go, I'm going to be in a reality yeah, show I this week? I can promise you that. <laughs> that won't be happening. <laughs> no. There's still a few holdouts. Well, you know, you brought up the Letterman shows and to me, that was the Letterman period when you started to really do the show a lot. He had a lot of people that weren't necessarily out to promote movies or whatever. That was the time. It was, yeah. it was a great time because um, he had the 12.30 slot at, at you know, NBC yeah. and I'm sure in his mind that when Johnny retired, Johnny Carson, he was going to step into that as well. He should have. He should have been the heir apparent to the, the, the Tonight Show mantle and mm -hmm. that you know, of course played out much differently. But, you know, um, David in his day was willing to just like go there. You know, right. I mean, it was very experimental. It was very crazy. And he did things that nobody had ever done before. And um, I was like a big part of that. And, you know, they'd let me come on there and just kind of craft a, a crazy 10, 15 minute segment. And, and, you know, usually, you know, you always do a pre interview. And whatever I would talk about, I'd t totally throw out the window right. and do something completely different. And when I look back at some of those um, appearances, I mean, they were just, they, they, besides the fact that it was me, it was just amazing that, that you know, a, a show like that would allow somebody like me to do what I did. Yeah. And, and nobody would do that again. And he wasn't comfortable, yet still went <laughs> He wasn't with comfortable, it. but yet he loved it. Right, he it was, it. it was like an inner struggle, because Dave has that real conservative, uptight side, but of course, he also loves, you know, great, scrappy, you know, original yeah. performers. But now he's forced, or, or the, the the whole you know process is so much more focused on you know selling things. Sure. Now it's Tom Hanks got a movie, so he's going to do every show, and then yeah. by Monday he's gone, and you it's know the next all one. Week. You know, yeah. and every every time I look in the in, in the the TV section, I go, wasn't she just on last right. week? You know, what I mean, you swear to God, it's like the same people just over and over again. Julia Roberts or Drew Barrymore, or, you know, Cameron Diaz or you know Tom Hanks, and it just feels like it's just this little loop of the same people over and over again. I don't know if comedians do panel anywhere anymore. I'm not I, even I, sure. I, you know, I, don't, I rarely watch you know, late night talk shows anymore, so I don't know what goes on. Did you do Carson too? I did. Or? I did yeah. Carson a couple of times. Um, and it was, I, I think, one of the greatest experiences of my life, sitting there with Johnny. Right. You know, the first time was, was for King of Comedy. And he really got a kick out of me because, you know, I mean, the good thing about what I got to do is I never had to do the five-minute stand-up. Yeah. Everything I did was on um, sitting with, talking directly with Johnny or David. And, you know, Johnny was just so, you know, he, was, he just was so taken by, you know, new, fresh talent and so open to it and such a sweet man. I actually think that they asked him if he wanted to do the uh, that role that Jerry Lewis yes, did. Yes, they did, and he turned it down. He was like, "No, yes, uh, <laughs> that's too scary." It is, it, that, you're right. That's right. He was he was scared by the whole yeah. notion. 
but Jerry wasn't. Where, uh, well, Jerry, what a strange thing, too, that you're coming out, you're this kid. Jerry Lewis, a gigantic comedy star. Yeah. Robert De Niro, uh, at, you know, his peak yeah, at that time. Was. It he had was. to be fairly intimidating. Even the only person I was intimidated by was Jerry Lewis, obviously. Yeah. I mean, because I met Scorsese first when I auditioned, and then I went on to audition with De Niro, and they were both like, they're just like, you know, guys, yeah. street guys, you know, very accessible, really nice. Um, and then they flew me to New York um, to audition. My final audition was with Jerry. And, you know, I mean, it was like having to, like, you know, wor audition with my father or something. It was right. just scary. You know, both my dad's name is Jerry too, so it's just like that 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 era of real se <laughs> real sexist men. Right. You know? But Je you know something. In spite of all of that, Jerry was a lot of fun to work with. I learned a lot from you know, of course, hanging out with him, and Scorsese allowed him to direct a lot of the scenes. I thought he was brilliant in it too. I mean, the fact Absolutely. that he. That was probably closer to who who he, he really, really is. is yeah. Than the, hey! <laughs> right. Lady, ha! All right, did we fucking get that? Is it down? Because he is that like real badass kind of he is. show business guy. Yeah, and he was like, you know, he also was like a, a big sex symbol in his day. Mm -hmm. Oddly, and you can't imagine that, but Jerry was like, you know, he was Jerry Lewis. Like, he, he got laid a lot. You know. I, mean, say, I think he claimed he, he also slept with Marilyn Monroe, but you know, I guess everybody claimed that. <laughs> I had never Except heard that story. I yeah, I had never heard that story. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Somewhere, um, somewhere it was quoted that he had, you know, even he had sex with with Marilyn. And it's possible Marilyn yeah. must have been either passed out or drunk. Kind of half. Just waking up. Holy shit! Yeah. Did I do it with Jerry yeah, Lewis? Please don't tell me I'd gone that low. I, sh I showed up for Dean and I went home with Jerry. Oh God! Oh, God. That would be horrifying. It would be. So at that point. You know, the 80s was, and again, there wasn't really a lot of hip things happening in the 80s, and yet you kind of pulled this old persona out. I, I kind of managed to, yeah, 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 parlay it. But there were, you know, there were still some hip, cool people around that, you know, that I got to hang with and got to know. And then when I did my um, my first big one-woman show off-Broadway here in 1988, you know, every, yeah. everybody came down to see the show. That was, you were like that New York thing that yeah, everybody had to do. Yeah, it was it all, you know, like like the, the plug fit right into the outlet yeah. and every, you know, everything just happened. So it was like kind of the second tier after King of Comedy was my show Without You I'm Nothing. Well, you know, that's the funny thing and I, I mean, I don't even know if I can explain it, but you've always done stuff in your act where you act like you're friends with famous people right, and right. you act like you hang out with them and then the next thing you, you know you do. I, I'm actually hanging out with them. I know. It's really weird. I think, it's, I think it's kind of a magnet though because I think people like even though you know I don't it's never been my thing to trash people. It's more like right. a, it's kind of a, a you know a left-handed you know homage to people. Right. Like if I'm talking about Mariah Carey you know, and I do my whole kind of thing about her hanging out with, like, you know, with the brothers, and suddenly she's like, yeah. you know, I didn't know Mariah was, like, you know, an octoroon. Um, <laughs> but I guess like, Mariah does have some black in her. So when that happened, I, Mariah's the only one who hasn't come around, actually, but, you know, maybe she will eventually. But, yeah, it's true. Every, I mean, everybody I always talked about, from Madonna, you know, yeah. to, to Liza and all the rest of them, they, you know, we all did become friends. That is so crazy. And I remember you would do Letterman, and you... Uh, uh -huh. When you kept bringing up Madonna's last yes. name. You're like, Ciccioni, I'm so worried about her now. And everybody, 
everybody would laugh because it was so fucking ridiculous. And then Sandra comes back on the show with her and they're dressed the same. You're like, how the hell is she doing this? Well, I had met her a, a couple times up at Warren Beatty's house because Warren Beatty's have movie nights. And, um, and I, I hung out with Sean Penn and we kind of had, we had one date. Um, which was really fun, but it you know, didn't really amount to anything. And then the next thing, you know, he was coming up with this girl who was wearing long skirts and like a bandana in her hair and glasses and all like cagey <laughs> and weird. And it was Madonna. Mm-hmm. And Madonna wasn't very nice to me then. That was like that was eighty, probably eighty four. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, before you no, know, I guess it was right before she kind of hit. Maybe it was more, yeah, it was right after King of Comedy. So. Um, she was weird. We'd kind of, you know, run into each other along the way. But then suddenly when my show opened here, she came, you know, one of the, in the previews. And we, you know, started hanging out after that. Because it was, it was a good, it was good timing for everybody. Right. So that had to be wild, though, when you're doing that show and everybody's showing up and it's reviewed so great. Yeah. I mean, and it's I, perfect. It's New York. It's you know. Well, it was also very manageable because right. it was, you know it was in the Orpheum Theater, which is down on Third Avenue. So it was you know it was still very much the East Village. It wasn't like being just thrown into like mainstream Broadway or right. something. You know, it was kind of like the uptown people came downtown, but the main part of the audience was downtown. So it was kind of it was a cool you know combination of right. Where all worlds collide. Rich people can come downtown, yeah. pick up a bus, and, yet, and, see your and, show. Exactly, yeah. and, and, slum, and slum it a little bit, you know. Oh, so that's where CBGB's is. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, back uptown, darling. <laughs> yeah. you know. uh, so and then the cool thing, too, is that you're living, instead of touring the country, people are kind of yes. showing up. It's the same as doing a tour, except for the audience. Exactly. Changes. Well, that's the great thing about playing New York. I mean, yeah. if you can get, like, one spot and just you know go in residence for a while it's a great thing because you know new york uh, people want to come to new york to see theater so they just come in and they come from everywhere mm. so is that for you it's still got to be live performing i mean you've done tv you've done movies singing uh but is you've got to be doing stand-up because you've never really broken from it no no i never have and i never will i mean i think it's it's, it's a great accompaniment to, to everything else yeah. that, that i that i get to do i mean i would definitely like to be back on television in some kind of a great series on a, on a regular basis you know i mean there'll never be a show like roseanne again because right. roseanne just slipped in under the wire i don't know how she did it and she doesn't either i mean i don't know if you read that article she wrote in new york magazine no, i haven't seen it yeah, it was kind of it was a commentary on um, Charlie Sheen and just about you know perception of being crazy in the business. But she talked a lot about how she you know started and how the show you know, how she had to wrestle control back of her persona and and her you know her name from the producers once that show got going and it was you know it was always a battle. And um, she got to do things that you know I don't think anybody would get to do these days a, a woman or a man right. you know. Because the you know the big wigs don't you know maybe here it's serious they let people you know have their own persona yeah but they're not paying you enough money to have it well, matter <laughs> yeah I mean everything isn't banking on it no one gets involved but yeah in TV everybody's involved there's so many writers well, there's notes. writers and there's also the you know the the, the the people that pay for advertising yeah you know, everybody weighs in if there's just even the slightest bit of controversy at all 
yeah. spills out now. You're gone. You're out of there. I mean, yeah. I heard on Modern Family they're replacing uh, the little girl Lily, the, the baby, because she's making too many demands now. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just told me that. It's like, you know, I'm out of here. You guys are fucking with my head. <laughs> well, Roseanne, the, like, Roseanne, like you said, she slipped under the wire, but then the, the show was like immediately gigantic, right? right. I mean, it was really exactly. a huge hammer. And then they didn't know what to do with her, man. She was just... Well, that's the, that's been the thing for Roseanne. Yeah. I mean, after, you know, she took a little hiatus and came back and tried to do a talk show. Right. That didn't work out. And um, and now she's doing this reality show, which, uh, by the way, I'll be on August 10th. What are you, just playing yourself? Just yeah, yeah, up? yeah. We just, we just, you know, they flew us over. It was me and Phyllis Diller and, and Roseanne. We spent two days and nights together. <laughs> <laughs> You know, madness ensues. Right. Phyllis is crazy, man. I didn't realize how hip Phyllis was until I hung out with her. Phyllis, uh, well, Phyllis was doing that as a woman when no one was, no right? One. I mean, I mean, she is like, I, be, I didn't realize how connected she was to like the underground hip factor. You know, I don't know if you know Mr. Natural. No. He, he was like one of the characters in the um, in our crumbs comedy okay. comedy, and he was the one who like always had the long beard, and right? Yeah, yeah. Walked <laughs> like this. He came to see my show in San Francisco recently, and he said, "Well, yeah, I just talked to Phyllis. Phyllis told me you were coming up." I was like, "Phyllis Tiller and Mr. Natural." <laughs> you know? But after hanging out with Phyllis, you know, I mean, the first night we went out, she drank two martinis. The second night, she drank three martinis, and she was like. Off the fucking hook, <laughs> <laughs> and she and she was just turning ninety four. <laughs> yeah, no, she's unbelievable. She is so cool. You wouldn't even think at ninety four. You're like, we got to go out and do something, you know? <laughs> well, she hadn't traveled for a while, Phyllis. Yeah, you know, but, but apparently she's developed her own. Um, game of gin it's called um diller gin or something and people like elliot gould come over and play gin with her <laughs> and they go out and drink i mean she's unbelievable that's great man it's really something to aspire to now <laughs> right. why, why wait <laughs> I, yeah i'd like to be playing gin with elliot gould yeah i would you know we're talking about theater musical theater you sing so well you act have you? Is there no show out there that you've ever wanted to do, or something like that? No, there, there's some. There's some theater I, I could yeah. be persuaded to do. You know, I, I really wish I'd gotten to do um, the Normal Heart, the uh, Ellen Barkin role. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Ellen, I, Ellen's a friend of mine. She was amazing in it. But she, even Ellen said, "Oh, you could have done this role. <laughs> you could have been my understudy." I was like, "Don't push it, Ellen." <laughs> 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 Fuck you, Ellen. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm, there's some. You know, there, I'm, I'm sure there's a musical that that will come around that that I'll be right for, and I'll I'll buckle down. But now, when I think about having to do eight shows a week, too much. It's not that it's too much. I just get bored. Right. You know, when you're used to doing your own material, and like one night you walk out there and go, I don't want to do that piece anymore. I'm going to put in a new piece. Right. You can't do that when you're doing Hello Dolly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Suddenly. You're <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're doing like your next uh, one woman show, if you just r give some of the characters away, it, suddenly you've written a musical. It's true. Well, I actually have written a musical with, with you know, Justin Bond. Oh, amazing. Yeah, we, amazing we wrote a musical before. last summer. It's called Arts and Crafts. Um, we've had we've had a few you know bites, but it hasn't come together yet. So we're we're trying to get that off the ground. Wow, it, it, that's such an amazing show that Justin Bond does. Oh, it's no. just it's brilliant. I saw um, we're at the McGarrigal Christmas thing, and, and uh, Justin Bond comes out and does this 
and I had, I had not been familiar at all. Right. And did some kind of really sad Christmas song. Yeah. And crushed the place. Right. Everybody looked around. People were sobbing. Yeah. He's he's really um, amazing. Well, I don't know if he's he or she anymore because he's he does this very. He doesn't like to refer to it as gender bending. I don't really know what it is. He calls himself Mix M X, which is like a combination of Mister and Ms. So sometimes Mister, sometimes Ms. Just, just like roll with just it. the lines are just totally blurred. Right. It's just like he, he believes that anybody could be whatever they want. Yeah. I don't know about that for me, but <laughs> <laughs> I got too much on my plate already. <laughs> That's a big commitment. <laughs> so what's this musical about? Um, we play uh, cousins who haven't seen each other in a long time. I've, I've left um, uh, Maryland where we grew up and have gone off to the Midwest with my, my Christian um, fundamentalist husband. And now my kids are grown up, so I, I, we, I meet up with Justin who owns a gallery here in New York and he's at kind of a crossroads. And um, I end up leaving my husband and moving to New York and I move in with Justin and it's just this sort of crazy you know, spiritual journey that we both go through and, and a crazy romp. So you guys would be in this together? Yeah, we're in it together. It's for the two of us. Oh, God. We got to get this on. I know. Yeah, we got to get this on. <laughs> this is going to be the wildest night ever. It is. Yeah. So we got we to gotta get that going. Yeah, let's do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up the stairs here at Sirius, talk to Mel Karmazin, and uh, get, get him to cut a check for us. Yeah, why not? I, think that's I love idea. the idea of this. Thank you. I, I, it's really good. The music's great. You know, we wrote the songs. One of the songs we wrote with um, Jason Sellards from the Scissor Sisters. And um, then we wrote, just we've written different songs with different people, so it's it's very cool. See how we go back to the hip thing? That's always the perfect names <laughs> that she drops. Um, but you know, at the same time, even when you would cover songs, it was always amazing to me how you would pick just the correct song. You've well, done it so many times. I mean, the, the only problem now is Glee has like kind of fucked right, up my whole Right, they have. <laughs> I didn't think of that. But I still managed to find some obscure, you know, right, kind of, you know hair metal band songs and stuff <laughs> that I love. And but you're musically, too, you're all over the place, yeah, just like comedically. Exactly. Well, I mean, once again, the inf you know, I've had influences from, from rock and roll to, you know... Who were the rock and roll people for you? I mean, were you one of those kids that you know, held on to the albums hard? Or? Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I grew up listening to everything from Jimmy to Janice to, to Aretha and the Stones and, you know, and then my brother, one of my brothers was really into jazz, so it was, you know, it was um, Cannonball Adderley and, you know, that, that whole scene and... And then, you know, when I started listening to my own my own kind of choices where, you know, lean more towards like, you know, the Joni Mitchells and Carol King and Laura Nero and Dusty Springfield and Sergio Mendez and the Brazil sixty six and that Bert, Bert Bacharach. Right. I liked, you know, that kind of sexy, you know you know, where your mind could go places when you're 12 years old. So you're one of those kids <laughs> just playing the album and then being at a cocktail party exactly. in your room by yourself? Yeah, well, I would Hello, that, everyone. That's what I would do in my room at my own cocktail party. And, you know, with me and my all my guests played by me. And right. <laughs> which is... It's quite a crowd. Which is one of the great things about growing up in the suburbs is like the first accomplishment is to get out. Exactly, you know I mean? exactly. That's all. I, my, my my two friends Dan and Tom and I used to just like talk about how we couldn't wait to get out of, out of school and travel around Europe. And I did. I graduated high school half year early, and I went to Israel and I worked on a kibbutz. And then after that, I traveled around England and um, came home. And then you know a few months later, I moved to LA and started you know 
doing my performing. Well, I know that they're always doing these things about bullying kids and all, but sometimes I think it's those bullied kids who figure it out early on. Well, I, I think that, you know, the bullying has, like, just, it, it's elevated. I mean, yeah. you know, now with you know, the kind of, you know, violence and the, you know, right. the video games and the internet, a lot of people can be very cruel without having to, like, even, you know, face their, you know, the people that they're being cruel to, you know. Just kind of internet yeah, taunts and I, that I kind of shit. Yeah, there's just all these ways of, you know, people, like, being you know, in their bedroom just torturing other people and I just think it's, it's so fucked up. Yeah, and then the other part of that too is like we're talking about then you don't really get out of that town because of Facebook or whatever all those internet stuff that people you grew up with, they follow you now. Exactly. You know, like everybody can like Oh, I'm used to hang out with you in eighth grade, and you're like, why are you still contacting? Exactly. Me? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's like you just want to get away from it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some people that you, if you're meant to like reconnect with them, you will. Right. But I think in general, it's just better just to like keep moving forward. Particularly when an era, I think, is supposed to end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like exactly. There, there was something about, oh, high school's over, you've graduated, now scatter. Exactly. Go to, yeah, the yeah. four winds. Right. Go have an experience. Um, for you, are there performers today, uh, either in rock and roll, movies, stand-up, are there people that you're like, this, is, this person's got it? Um... Yeah, I mean, I think Lady Gaga is amazing. I mean, I love that she's over at The View today. And that, you know, people like Elizabeth Hasselbeck and, and, and the other chick they have to deal with, you know, <laughs> the, the unabashed, you know, right. liberal causes of Lady Gaga. You know, it's just like so cool. And nobody can say anything. You can't, you can't talk back to Gaga. And I think she's just been great for, you know, for her generation. You know when I really got her is when she sat down by, at the piano by herself. Yeah. Well, yeah, she did great over here. Uh, when I she mean, did the Stern show, she did um, Edge of Glory. Yeah, and I was just like, I was already a fan and already thought she was, you know, super ballsy. But everything she said on the show that day, and the clarity and the connection to what really matters. Mm -hmm. And then when she sat down and nailed that song with those nails and yeah. those fucking shoes, I was like, this bitch is bad. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> when she's sitting at the piano by herself, it's like 1973 Elton. Exactly. Right? When he was, exactly. You know, well, and she well, did it in that uh, Madison Square Garden show, too. Yeah, I, she's she's a force to be contended with. I yeah. mean, <clears throat> you know, take off all the, you know, the latex and the, and the shoes and everything else and just sit her down at a piano and you can't go wrong. But then, you know, the, just the whole kind of commentary about hiding and the the persona makes it this totally you know fascinating you know um, it, 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 she's just all over the place right. she's just you know she's saying so much and there's so and she's coming from so many places but when you strip it down she's got a real heart you know and she really speaks honestly and it's really weird too like whoever that pop star is that kind of generation that kind of reminds you of that decade or half decade I mean you can't whether it's silly or whether it's great it doesn't matter you know the 60s the Beatles were the pop act right and you can't get beyond that yeah and then of course if it's I don't know new kids on the block that era becomes that you know lighter sillier thing yeah but you're true. stuck with that pop star it's true yeah well also it's like she's great I think Adele is great and it's just so great to see a woman who's again not like doesn't fit the you know the cliche mold of like being, you know, this formulaic star. I mean, the woman mm. can sing. These both these women can sing. 
I think that's a really good direction we're heading in. I mean, Amy Winehouse could sing as well. I'm so, so sorry that you know she couldn't keep it together. I think she just had that that chemistry that couldn't handle it. Yeah, and everybody kind of saw that and was. You know, but she can only intervene so long, you know, and also by the time you've like totally destroyed your health, it's kind of like just a matter of time. I mean, you take yourself down that low, you have to have quite a constitution to bounce back. Right. And I think, you know, well, you knowing Richard prior when he was younger, and you couldn't have gotten more famous on your own terms. People loved him, and yet he couldn't. He couldn't handle Pull that thing out. Well, I think it's, you know, he was fighting, he was battling a lot of demons from his childhood. Yeah. Things that we can't relate to, you know, or imagine. I mean, you know, I think his mother, you know, was, was I'm saying this off the top of my head, yeah. was turning tricks. And, you know, he was like lived in a whorehouse and shit. So, you know, he had, he had a, a very rarefied childhood. And I think it just, you know, totally form, formulated who he became as an adult. And no amount of the success could... I think all. success in those situations is is more is more dangerous actually, because it's just like you because you, you're constantly like doubting yourself, and then you're self-deprecating and tearing yourself apart on a, on this sort of you know cellular level, mm. and like you're like why do I deserve this? I'm a piece of shit. You know what I mean? And then you have to go out and like do the do the thing, so it's like this constant you know head-on internal collision. And there's almost. Sometimes too much success. I yeah, mean, I was like, who needs that? And much? also, you have like all these people that you know, the, these hangers on, these people that are coming at you, you know, that just are tearing you apart, that want so much from you, and it's like you can't handle it. You know how that feels. Yeah, right? I deal with it constantly. <laughs> so difficult for me. Uh, did has there ever been a point for you where you felt like, oh, I need to take a step back from it. This is going too well. I. You know, I've been on TV too much or whatever. No, 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 no. no. You've never got it. I don't scared. feel like I've really hit my, you know, peak yet. Right. I think that's that's coming. I guess I, I guess just you know, um, instinctively, I've just kind of stayed away from like this huge, huge, huge success because I've seen it so much and see and kind of been for, firsthand observer to see how it, what it does to people. So I've just kind of I've I've kind of held myself back a little bit, but. I think, you know, I think I'm ready for bigger success. But the thing about you, too, is that you've got to do so many different things. Was, you know, singing, acting, and, you know, writing books and shit. I mean, yeah. you got to taste, though, where a lot of people... Let's suppose if you would have gotten that, you know, sitcom or something in 1981... Right. ...that was huge for five years... I might have, might have just flamed out. Yeah. Because I really think TV, really, people burn out with TV quicker than yeah. anything. I mean, there are certain people and certain personalities that just can't segue from one hit series into another because people just don't want to see me. I think it's I think it's unusual. It's actually fairly rare, right, to be it able is. to pull off a couple of series. Yeah. You know, to do that Ted Danson type thing where exactly. he can go on with his life after being a huge TV star. Right. True. Yeah. But I think I think you have to have the right you know temperament to be able to do that and do and be able to do a lot of different things to do comedy to do drama right and you know and also no one just to take a little break from it all or else you end up like <coughs> Eric Estrada and you're still putting the suit on and showing up in commercials <laughs> remember me I was on chips you're like easy dude you don't need it <laughs> I can't be doing enough here no no treating you this way. it's so true is there a is there a person that you're saying that if you looked at their career going there's one I'd rather have than mine or are you 
totally happy with yours. I think there's elements of a lot of different people that, you know, I, I wouldn't mind having some of what they have. But I think that's that's always a dangerous, you know, place to fall into. Right. Because like you said, I wouldn't, you know, I do what I do and kind of like nobody else does it. So, although, you know, I wouldn't mind a little bit more money right now. Right. I hate to be hate to say that and be that, you know, craven. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's always times you go, oh, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't mind a few more shekels in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that's my motivation for doing what I do because it just isn't. I can't, I just can't pull the trigger on crap. You know what I mean? Right. So that's always going to be a little bit of a conflict. But I do feel like there's something that's right for me where I can make, you know, my mark and and make a little extra dough so that I can just kind of kickback. But have you ever taken anything for the money because it was a job or is it just... you? Because even when you're on Roseanne, there's a sitcom but your character was well, crazy. Yeah, I mean I, felt, I, I mean, I really fell into that, you yeah. know. Um, no, I don't think there's any, been anything that I've taken that I haven't, you know, that I've been ashamed. I mean, I've actually turned down some things that I probably should have done that, you know, I probably could have made, you know, more money, but I just didn't, I didn't feel it was, you know, up to, like, my standards, you know, of, and my kind of political beliefs in a certain way. Right. And you have no problem turning down work, or does it linger a little bit? Like, when you turn down a gig, do you think to yourself, oh, I don't know. There's maybe. a couple of things that I wish I had done, but, yeah. you know, there's only there's only two that I can think of off the, off the top of my head. Give it to us. Tell us what it is. No, no, I Come can't. Come on, you're I so can't. honest. <laughs> it's not about... Was this mine? All yes, right. it is. I guess I'm going to take another one. I, I hate this. I already had one open. I'm going to open another one. I feel guilty about this. <laughs> it's going to bring an end to the, the this perfect amount of water that we have on the planet. Well, there's something. I mean, I, I hate contributing to like the plastic thing, but that's a whole other story. We reuse this plastic, though. It's oh. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got hippies in the back with hoses. <laughs> so you don't want to talk about not doing that because of the other performers who got it? Or? Yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah, it's just a combination. It's also just like, it's like it's, it never comes across the, in the right way. It always sounds like bitter pills. You know what I mean? So why, right. why bother? You know, it's like, and we've moved on. There, It's old news and, you know. I'm always moving forward. You know, the other thing I think is interesting, too, that a lot of comics, particularly uh, now, are doing this kind of atheist-type act, and you're one of the few people who's, like, putting a spirituality out there. Where, you well, know, I mean, you know, for me it works. You know, I'm, I'm not certainly not standing on a pedestal telling people how to, like, express their spirituality, but I think we all have it. Mm. And I think it may sound really cool just to, you know, say, eh, you know, God is, you know, non-existent and, you know, I, I mean, I, there's too many, there's too many variables for me, you know, and I don't know, I'm Jewish, I kind of connect to, you know, my spiritual Jewish thing and, you know, I feel like it's not like didactic and beating people over the head, it's just like, I think it emanates from people, it's like either you kind of have that spiritual vibe, you have that vibe where people come and they feel like they can ask you a question about, you know, something that's troubling them. And I think you can have a nice conversation about it without... It's not about religion. I mean, it's not about, like... Obviously, it's not about religion. Right. You know, it's something that transcends that. But we're here. It's a weird thing. It's like, what is this? What is this form? I mean, it can't be just, like, all all science. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I don't believe in... I, I mean, we might have come from monkeys. I'm not questioning that. But, 
there, that's still like there's something that got created here. Right. And now that we have this Rise of the Planet of the Apes movie starting on next Saturday. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. There there you go. It's all right there. But you know, working from a creative point of view, there's got to be some kind of faith to just take a leap in any exactly. kind of creativity. Well, that's what I mean. And that's why like whenever I, you know, whenever I like have my big doubts about things, it's like I know when I wake up in the middle of the night and I have like this creative thought or I hear a song in my dreams and I get up and I write down you know the melody that's not coming from nowhere I mean yeah. there is a, there there are openings like in the cosmos and there's certain people <clears throat> that get to connect to that you know not everybody gets that you know that gift well there's almost like everybody gets some kind of a gift or whatever it happens to be but you that then the craft is you've got to work at that yeah but then if you even talk to like uh, Paul Simon or Burt Baccarat they don't really know how they wrote that song. That's Just right. One day that song was there, boom. Well, Keith Richards says that he's almost all the songs he's written, he's heard the songs in, in, in his sleep. Right. And he gets up and just like jots it down on his guitar and writes the, the notes down. And the thing is, he's doing that every day. Not every song is, A hit. you know, satisfaction. Right. But occasionally, if you're out there enough, and open to it, those things come through. And they come through year after year, which is like that's really where you know right. you've got some, you got, you have a muse. Right, there does seem to be that. Particularly, I think, for you, like you said, you're still chasing it. If I think that the it's always important to not go, alright, that's something I did when I was younger, now I stop. Yeah, well, you know? I mean, if you turn your back on your muses, chances are your whole life will fall apart. Mm. I think, as an artist. Now, do you actually go out and say, I got a five year plan or a 10 year plan, or you just every day? I don't think that's, that's never worked for me. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can't go at it from that, you know, that angle. I mean, there are certain areas I, I want to, like, get into, but the, the, the specifics and, like, all this, like, where you sit down and plan with your agents and managers. Right. That's really not my thing. You know, I just was telling, uh, I saw you a, a year ago, almost to the day, uh, over at, uh, where was that? That's yeah. out, uh, outdoors at Lincoln Center. Yeah. And this really great night, you could just see New York City is all surrounding, mm -hmm. and you're out, and you've got a band, and you're improving. But the coolest thing to me is that David Johansson opened for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know, that was cool. You're performing here in New York. <laughs> And one of the New York Dolls is, you know, doing his songs before you that come out. That was awesome. So, I mean, you're saying that, that that there's more things that you would like, but how many people get to have that night? You know, not many. Yeah, it's really strange. No, I know. It's it's and and these these nights continue. You know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm and that's when I'm like really like, I know I'm doing something right. Well, we're going to let some of the folks ask you some uh, questions here. Great. We told them that uh, you could before. Uh, <coughs> Absolutely. Uh, anything from our movies or TV or anything at all that you like to do? Uh, like music and comedy, does it ever feel like it's just a job to you? And sometimes you go on a tear where things come in spurts? Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, yeah, sure, there are some nights that, you know, you really have to get it up. You know, it's like, you're, like I said, you're not always connected to that energy and that source. And you've been traveling a lot and you got to, like, you know, you land in a place and you got to run to do the gig. But, you know, sometimes those turn out to be the best nights because you're just like, you're just like, I'm exhausted, I'm burned out, and you got no filters. And that's when you sometimes go up and do your best work. And I 
So I don't, you know, it's no, it certainly never feels like a nine to five job. <laughs> Does it go the opposite though, where you're like, yeah, tonight's my night, and then you go out there and it's not? Do you ever have those? Like, sure. I feel like I've got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the and, audience and says no. No, the audience <laughs> puts up a roadblock. So I just, I just go through it and do it and give it my all, and you know, I, I never feel like I let let the audience down. That's for sure. We'll take one more. This uh, young lady over here. Um. Hi. Comedy, hi. Comedy is uh, often thought of as a boys' club. Did you ever feel like you struggled as a? As oh a woman? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially back in the day where you know there was no schedule. You just literally had to wait. Like Bill Maher used to run Catch a Rising Star, mm -hmm. and I think Bill had a little bit of a crush on me, so he was a real prick. <laughs> and, uh, He's changed he so is. much, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he would literally just go, uh, yeah, hello, Miss Bernhard. And then he would like pick somebody else to go on. And I'd be sitting there like, you're such a son of a bitch. I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd finally put me on. But, you know, I mean, yeah, it was, it, it's always been a boys club. And it all, it, I guess it always will be to a certain extent. It's just that's just the nature of it. I mean, especially when you start off and you have to go on the road and you're like, Staying in a comedy condo, mm -hmm. and you're with all those guys. I mean, it's not pretty. They're filthy. They stink. <laughs> they have no manners. It's just, it's awful. Would you, are you trying to do comedy? Uh, maybe. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. And and you are right though. The the odd thing is that a lot of people, a lot of women will then just go, well, all right, then I'll become one of the boys. Well, that and that's the thing now. It's just like yeah. almost all the you know the stand up comedians. I mean, they they you, they put up this veneer and shell that is so hardcore. I mean, it's like the the Chelsea Handler, you know. Right. Uh, I mean, there's a whole genre. Sarah Silverman, you know. It's just it's fine if it works for you, it works. But I just think it also limits people and where they can go because it, it kind of takes away all the vulnerability and that th and the feminine energy alone like I know like a lot of women I guess they feel you know that kind of Dorothy Parker you can write real funny but then to take it to the stage why suddenly try to turn into you know Don Rickles why I, not to bring that same well, I, energy exactly I mean why 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 work against it yeah I mean we, we are definitely like men women have their own energy so right. why not bring the best of who you are to your work not that I don't you know think it's great that women are now doing shit jokes over and over but <laughs> enough I never I never like them from men so I, know. I really don't like them from women which is really great when you look back over your act there's not a lot of stuff for you to be like oh she went through that cringy period you never needed it no I mean it sometimes you know it's, it's easy to go there right but ultimately, it's just it's you can't live with yourself. I don't think. <laughs> she refuses. I refuse. Exactly. No way. Uh, the new album is out, and you're very very happy with this one. I right? am very happy with that, and um, I guess it's available on iTunes and you know all the different all ways the different places. And also, I just do, also want to promote my show that I'm doing in L.A. Okay. I will be at the Red Cat at the Disney Hall from August 11th through the 21st nine shows there out in LA doing some material from the album and a lot of new material I'll be with my full band rocking it giving up fashion commentary <laughs> how weird is it for the band to not know when this song is going to start because I've noticed when you're riffing a lot of times they're standing there for 20 minutes <laughs> well with, with, these show, with these shows there's a little more of a, of an, of a you know yeah. an entry into the song so and sometimes I send them off stage and bring them back too 
<laughs> it's a little more theatrical. Get off the stage for a while. Yeah. Because uh, I remember seeing you before, and like after a while, the guitar player just sat down. He starts looking around, and boom, he's back up. Oh, we're doing song now. That's why when, when I can, and I can actually like stage a show, mm -hmm. and you can get people on and off, like a regular theatrical right. production, it's a better situation. But sometimes I don't have the luxury of, you know, of teching a show like that. But this show, I'll be able to a little bit. Well, best of luck with everything. Thank that you. You're so doing. great to be here. Thanks for for coming out, and you know, also follow me on Twitter, Sandra Bernhardt on Twitter. And you'll answer everybody back. That's the great well, thing about answer, it. Well, I do answer. I do a lot of people. I know. I've seen you, know, you doing it. If I connect with somebody, and somebody is, you know, on my wavelength, I just have to say one thing. You remind me of Billy Joel. And I was just out in the Hampton Sag Harbor last night, and he was at the restaurant, and we started talking a little bit. <laughs> you're giving me up. You're giving me Billy Joel this morning. Well, this guy is on the road now doing a Billy Joel uh, tribute act. Are you? <laughs> I can't see you without him. Don't worry. I like it. It's a good yeah. luck. It's a good luck. You, it's a nice crowd here this morning. And uh, you've made her feel like an uptown girl throughout exactly. the entire show. I did my job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a real original, an American original. Thank what you so much. Thrilled Ron. to have you here. Great to Sandra be here. Sandra Bernhardt. Thanks, everybody. everybody. Fez Watley, Ron and Fez, on the virus. Yeah, buddies. Uh, it's Ron and Fez live. Thanks to everybody that um, enjoyed the unmasked that we just did with Sandra Bernhardt. Uh, what I'd like to do is uh, call on the first responders... Head on over to 202 Friends and let Sandra Bernhard uh, know. Tweet to her, if you will, and let her know that you enjoyed that. We've got some more great ones coming up. Michael Ian Black. And as we uh, just announced yesterday, Pendulette. But if you let these people know, it gives out a good word. So be a first responder. Head on over. Speaking of first responders, our own Fez Watley at the brand new New York Molly's. He's drops as a cupcake here today. How you doing, Fezzy? Fezzy. Hi, everybody. Well, we are at Molly's. It's the soft opening, and everybody is enjoying the Ronnie B. Cupcake. Um, just have everyone relax. Have everyone just relax for a second. <laughs> Having a blast, and uh, they said uh, I talked to people here that said we've been talking about the Ronnie B cupcake for years, and it is no hype. It is the best dessert they have ever tasted. Fez, Fezzy, yes. Calm down on the cheap salesman act. You don't need to do that. You're dressed in a cupcake suit. You're yes, I am. You are all hyped up because you're around people. You enjoy being around people. Yes, I do. Yeah, it looks like I'm wearing the losing outfit from Project Runway last night. Well, that was from a pet store, so that's uh, kind of <laughs> gross. Now, I there's already some people who have uh, tweeted about you, but I understand Pat from Anaki's there. Are you and him going to do any cupcake eating? 
Yes, uh, I'll be going up against Pat Fumanaki in just a little bit here. Come down and see who can eat the most cupcakes. No. And Roddy, he's a professional. Right. Now, Fez, do me a favor and tell me what the girls look like. Uh, Mike always does a great job at picking out some hot girls. Yes, the Molly's girls are here, and people are also lined up to get their pictures taken with them. And Mike Haka has done a great job. There's as nice an assortment of Molly's girls as there are of cupcakes. Oh. There's something for everybody in this respect. You, I haven't heard you this happy in a while. Why does he get like this, Hicks? He's got to be in front of strangers. He does. He loves being in front of strangers. And he loves wearing an outfit. All right, so it's a soft uh, opening for Molly's. And thanks for New York for making them so feel so welcome. I saw the line was up. And how are the girls doing? Are they able to handle the New York-type stuff? It's not Chicago. It's a whole different scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the staff is coming through with flying colors on this test drive. Fantastic. Absolutely. Everybody's having a great, great time. All right, please stop people from clapping after every one of your lines. You, yeah, now now they're just uh, now I'm not even waving to anybody. They're just doing it. You don't need to wave to people. You're just we're just two human beings having a conversation. Right. Um, Fezzi, I'm very very proud of you for getting out there today and having a fun day. The important thing is Stalker Patty there. Stalker Patty has made it to Molly. She needed she needed some uh, talking in now, control tower, but she made it. I tell her we're taking a picture of her and sending it to Starbucks. She's a traitor. Uh, Patty, uh, your picture is being taken at Molly's. It's being sent to Starbucks. You're nothing but a traitor. <laughs> she's, she's on such a sugar high right now. She could care less that she has a job. Of course she's on a sugar high. And I don't even know if that's a real job she has. Well, Fezzi, I'm, I'm happy for you. Now, the soft opening goes on for hours, right? You guys are going to do that into the night if people want to stop by and have the uh, Ronnie B. Cupcake or meet Fezzi. Uh, yeah, we're going to be here for quite a while. Yep. All right, so have a lot of fun, Fez. Okay. Um, do me a favor, and let's just see how quickly that Pat from Monaki can eat some cupcakes. All right, we will do, yeah, we will do that as soon as we're done here. We'll line up the cupcakes in front of Pat from Monaki and see exactly what he can do. All right. What kind of damage. And, oh, is the Fez gone? Nope, I'm right here. Do me a favor and tell him, tell Mike I said congratulations, and we're all happy for him, okay? Mike Haka, Ronnie B says congratulations, and we're all very, very happy for you. All right, Fezzy. All right, we're going to get back to the cupcake party. Have fun, and I'm glad you're having a good time. Uh, there goes uh, Fez Watley. Dude, I'm the weirdest thing about Fez is that's the guy that I know that gets overly fun when there's groups of people. It's crazy. Every single time without fail, it happens. He loves being in bars and restaurants and being around people. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's, it's the thing that shouldn't make sense. Mm. It's... Um, it's really, it's good to hear him being happy. Oh, yeah. um, well, 
It's Molly's Cupcakes now in New York uh, with the Ronnie B. Cupcake. First time you can get that on the West Coast or East Coast. What am I talking about? I thought I lived in L.A. <laughs> there was just a few moments, Hicks, where I thought I lived in L.A. Uh, but thanks to Sandra Bernhardt also. It was uh, really have fun having her in for the Unmasked. Awesome. She's really, really quick and has really got her own persona. Do me a favor, be a first uh, responder, and head on over to 202 Friends, and make sure that you say that to uh, Sandra Bernhard that you heard her on the Unmasked show, and you enjoyed yourself with it, um, because that helps us get a lot of uh, uh, great more guests. Very, very happy to say we got the Michael Ian Black coming up. It's awesome. And after that, and we may try to do the next one live during the show which would be Penn Gillette. Uh Rob was just telling me that he'd help out with staffing oh. uh, things, but he acted like we'd know that when all we've ever had was staffing problems for years. <laughs> wait, so you're going to help instead of hurt? Yes. Wait, 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 hold on. Well, we try not to ask for anything because it only makes everybody feel bad. It's taken me two months to uh, fix a, get a computer replaced, and it was seven years old. Well, from where? It was a computer from... 57th Street. That was there before I was an intern. That they finally replaced. Because it just literally stopped working. And then do they act like, huh? Like they're buying you a present. Yeah, exactly. Instead of work stuff for them. <laughs> Fixed that for you, didn't we? I don't know. Fez was, um, wanted to do something with J.A. Lawson's today. Because she was going to be the muse of the place. So I heard. And then uh, he tells me that uh, off the air that she hasn't shown. Oh. So we're all a little disappointed by, by oh that. God. But I'm sure she'll be there. She'll make it. Yeah. How could she not? How could she not? How could she not be there? Uh, all right. We got to get ready to wrap this one up, Hicks. But I want you to have a good weekend for a change. I want you to have a good weekend, too, Ronnie. Are you going to spend it drinking and drugging? I might be going up to Saratoga, yeah. No. no matter of fact, you notice we didn't hear from Saratoga check at all? Yeah. I, he fucking knows better. He knows he's dead to us. So now I feel like I might have a hot hand. Because he's out of my fucking mind. He's out of your life. <laughs> it's like a fucking wonderful Michael Jackson song. Um, but I want to thank everybody uh, for today. You know, I got to tell you, Hicks, I don't know whether you've been up and down these halls. It's a ghost town in here. Yeah, no no one wants to be here. We are working. Everyone works very hard at a four-day week. <laughs> but in the summer, Fridays are... You, you never know if you're going to run into anybody at all. Yeah, then no one's just like, oh, it's Friday. I'm not even bothered coming in. Fuck that shit. Uh, and I didn't oh, see no. any celebs coming through the building. Oh, no. But it sounds like the booking department had an easy day today. They did have an easy day, but they deserve it because they've been doing actually very good lately. Yeah, they're killing it. I know you don't get along with Laura, oh, but well, yeah. uh, Leeds is coming through gangbusters, and I can't say enough th things about that Spencer. He's a big dog. And I hope you and Laura get to be friends again. One day. I'm only hoping for it. <laughs> uh, 202 uh, friends on Twitter, uh, do us a favor and be one of the first responders. Get the word out to Sandra Bernhard because uh, that helps us. Let people know that if you enjoy these interviews, we'll end up getting a lot more big names. And, um, you know, who, who knows? Maybe we should go like this. Uh, Scorsese? Robert De Niro, we'd like to put the old gang together and bring that on and all be together. Oh you don't know God. at this point, Hicks. 
You so, don't know what's going to happen. I don't. That sounds amazing. All right, so we're going to be uh, getting going. i got a lot to uh, keep up with. I'll let you know if I see the rise of the Planet of the Apes this weekend. I had no <laughs> plans. Good reviews. I'm going to first check with Jermaine Lassier to see if he's backing up Paul O. But that is it for us. We appreciate it. Go see Fez Watley. He's going to be hanging out. You can hear they're having a great time. He's keeping the cupcake suit on. Uh, we appreciate it. He's at Molly's. Molly's. Bleaker in 6th Avenue. In the beautiful Greenwich Village in New York City. See you guys on Monday. Hey, that's the end of my show. Dong. Satellite's gone way up to Mars Soon it'll be filled with park and cars I watched it for a little while I love to watch things on TV With Harry, Mark, and John Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday With Harry, Mark, and John Satellites gone up to the skies Things like that drive me out of my mind For a little while I love to watch things on TV Thank you for listening to today's Ron and Fez show. For your con-